This is Talk is Sheep, a podcast by the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Come along as we take conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Friday night in Prince George. Mr. Hamilton, what are you up to? Well, my ass is getting numb from sitting here, but uh, what an episode. (laughs) So I sat down and thought, okay, a nice leisurely chat with Joe for an hour. And you know, some of these podcasts, they, uh, you're kind of struggling to get them to where they need to be. Like, you know, maybe the person's not talking a lot or maybe there's Mm -hmm. not a lot of content. And, uh, you know, I I didn't give Joe's a lot of thought. I didn't realize that he was going to talk for two hours straight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that's what Joe does, right? That's, uh, that's he does. Joe, Joe Effortlessly Joe. too, right? And, oh, it's and good. The, I was laughing half the time. It, it, this is a great podcast. So this is a bit longer than what we normally do. Uh, we talked about splitting it, but here we are. Have at her. Let us no know way. if we split these up, if they're too long. Um, we're getting into Rogan territory here. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, oh, yeah. We're, we're crawling up on him with the with the viewers, right? And the listeners. We got to be close to his numbers. One one millionth of where he's at. <laughs> oh, hey, I'll take uh, it. I'll take it. When we're looking at our numbers on the uh, the Apple the other day, it was like, holy shit, we're a little better than we figured. Like top 10 in some genres and top 49 or somewhere. It was just crazy. Like it was mind mind blowing. And just that's that's the listeners that are doing that for us. We, we started this. It was a bit of a, uh, we'll see what happens. A little bit more value added to our members and here we are episode 52 holy shit yeah and so thank you to our listeners for supporting us and being there and helping us grow this um again keep it coming let us know uh who what where what what do you want to see content Mm -hmm. um we got some cool listeners or cool guests coming up i'm pretty excited about it actually um some pretty neat stuff we're going to be talking about and uh i don't want to say anything because no uh, yeah how many podcasts have you like hey we got this coolest guy coming on or coolest girl and they don't show up so we're not going to pull that one but we got some cool guests that are supposed to be on the show that we hope will come together and yeah we're pretty excited we got sheep show coming up so we got a couple lined up for sheep show so yeah it's really Mm -hmm. excited and it's 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 not going to toot our own horn but uh some some pretty freaking amazing names have uh, committed to to coming on with us just reach out and it's like holy shit Wow. So yeah, it's uh good times for us coming ahead. And yeah, like, like Kyle said, a little bit longer of an episode than we normally do, but I think it flows well. And Joe, Joe, uh, spins a great story. Yeah. No shortage of content for Mr. Humphrey. So Joe, great guy, treasure for the wild sheep society, of BC, a uh, long time involved with the society. Uh, any, members will know the name Joe Humphreys and uh, he's the guy behind our raffles. 
does a ton of conservation work uh, for uh, our wild sheep community. And uh, this year he was kicked out of the Lesson One Club. He got his doll sheep yeah. in the Yukon, and we're super stoked for Joe. And we tell that story, or he tells that story on the show today. Yeah, great, great story. And he he gets in there like he t- he kept notes. Like from the time he shot it to the time he walked up on it and the distance and he, you can tell he's a treasurer. <laughs> you can yeah. tell he's a treasurer. Yeah, he's pretty meticulous for sure. Um, I'm going to segue and this is really cool. We just got some really, really exciting news this week. Uh, we had longtime supporter of the Society Stone Glacier step up yes. and they have committed to uh, our highest level of sponsorship, our conservation partnership. So we're super elated to uh, mm-hmm. welcome Stone Glacier to our um, to support our conservation efforts. They've been there for the last uh, number of years, almost a decade, uh, day in, day out, supporting our conservation efforts. And this year they've stepped up to our highest level and we're just super grateful to have them. Uh, on this podcast, you'll hear talk, Joe talk about it. We're not promoing Stone Stone Glacier, but he talks about his pack and he's he's hosting a hoisting a Stone Glacier on the mountain. Um, Steve, what were you using this year? Just out of curiosity, yeah, uh, Stone Glacier. Yeah, Stone exactly. Glacier. There was there Sky Talus. What was the seventy nine hundred? Yeah, yeah, uh, great pack. And oh, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, we're super grateful to have Stone Glacier on as our conservation partner and uh, look forward to working with them for our conservation efforts in 2021, 2022. So really, really exciting news for the society there. Um, just a, a reminder that our WSR raffles are still uh, on sale. There's some really cool hunts. Joe talks about that, being involved as treasurer and our gaming guy. And also, we've got the Big Boar Rifle. Um, if you go to our website, wildsheepsociety.com forward slash raffle, and check it out, we've got the Big Boar Rifle. We're going to draw that uh, mid-December. Somebody's going to have a brand new $8,400 rifle for Christmas. Um, so if you're thinking you might want to upgrade, you might want to grab a few tickets, support our conservation efforts. And uh, and then also, um, what else we got? Is that, uh, we missing anything else, Steve? There's so much stuff, but... Uh, oh, there's, we've got everything in there on the WSR and rifles. Oh, there's so much. they got to check out our website to, to see what we got going on. <laughs> right on. Okay, membership, so, promo, everything. Exactly, yeah. So we're going to leave that there, and we're going to go over to episode 52, Joe Humphreys, Kicked Out, and you're going to hear a cool story about his doll sheep hunt in the Yukon. Enjoy. Take, take a bathroom break first, trust me. <laughs> Well stated. Across Canada and throughout the world, if you come across a campfire in the woods, on a mountaintop, or next to a river, you'll find warm company and friendly people gathered around. Regardless of your lifestyle or place you call home, we invite you to learn more about what it means to be a hunter in the modern era. If you love the outdoors, care about where your food comes from, and are concerned for the future of wildlife and the environments that they need to survive, pull up a seat. We have a story to tell. Welcome to our campfire. And here we are, the face of the Wild Sheep Society, BC, Mr. Joseph Humphreys. Welcome to the show. Oh, you guys would be screwed if that were the case. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to disagree. I am not going to disagree with that. Uh, there's many things you bring to the society, but uh, anyway. We, we Good looks and sparking personality, aren't them? Oh, no. Well, the personality <laughs> definitely uh joe great to have you on the show uh lots to talk about we've been talking about this for a long time 
And uh, I'm excited, dude. I'm really glad to have you on the show. And there's lots, lots we're going to talk about today. Well, let's uh, get started. I, I heard a beer open. Who is that? Oh, it's a, it's a Dr. Pepper. Never mind. My bad. So, uh, Joe, let's start that off. I see a ram on that thing. What? Tell me about that beer. What is it? What do you got there? Well, if we're going to talk sheep, and I'm in the Yukon, so uh, Winter Long Brewing. I mean, they have a beer with a sheep on it, so it's got to be good. It's an oatmeal stout, little little hint of chocolate in there. It's called Sweater Weather, and uh, you know they're tall cans only. I wouldn't recommend uh, packing it on a sheep hunt. Maybe just one, but uh, definitely uh, if you're doing some late season stuff where you're near a wall tent and a cooler, then uh, hey, it's beautiful and crisp. Okay, so we're going to Ben O'Brien this, and uh, we're looking for some sponsorship. Who are these guys, and where are they out of? <laughs> Winterlong Brewing. They're uh, Whitehorse, uh, just outside of kind of city center, 10 minutes uh, on an uh, area called um, Mount Sema, and uh, they're great. And uh, there's two, there's multiple microbreweries popping up all over the place in the Yukon right now, but uh, there's two Two primary local breweries, uh, one's Yukon Brewing, the other is uh, Winterlong, and uh, both are um, locally, they're, they're huge local sponsors with different things that were, I mean, pre-COVID time when events were happening. Uh, I, I'm a local supporter of both. Okay, so what we're going to do is I'm going to come up there to the uh, Thinhorn Summit in uh, June, I think it is, of this year into Whitehorse, and we're going to get them to sponsor a podcast. We're going to do another one up there at the Tinhorn Summit, and we're going to get them to sponsor us. So that's your so mission mission for so the future. Does that mean I'm going? Because I'm like the tech guy. <laughs> I'm good with that. Uh, Steve, that's funny. Of course you're going. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if I'm going, but uh, I, I just hey, said well, I'm going, so we have to make it work, right? We'll, we'll make it work. I'll go talk to them because I'm sure uh, Mr. Hurley would love to have some sort of a beverage sponsor for that anyways. We, you yeah. know what's crazy though? You know what you can throw them, Joe? I'm not kidding you. I sent Kyle a, a screenshot the other day. We're in the top 10 podcasts for our genre for North for, America. For wildlife and conservation. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And what what were we? Uh, number 49 overall or something like that kyle there was some ridiculous number that floored us both wow meat yeah. eater and joe rogan better wash their backs <laughs> well yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah good times um okay cool so joe welcome to the show um and uh really excited to talk about your sheep hunt this year talk about all your conservation work um and maybe let's start there let's go back to the beginning of joe humphreys and his um, interest in wild sheep conservation. How did you get involved? I actually don't even know the story, and I'm really keen to hear it. You've you predated me, well predated me with the Wild Sheep Society of BC. I think when I started getting interested in conservation work on the board, you're already the treasurer, and you've been forever. So let's hear how you got into it. I'm curious to to learn about it. It's amazing what happens when you got like minded people that uh, also like to share a beverage from time to time. Uh, I'm in the same line of work as a former uh, board member, as well as former vice president of the Sheep Society, Richard Christensen. And uh, he and his wife, Helen, um, back in 2012, I believe it was, um, I had some trips that took me through Kelowna in the first year that the uh, 
fundraiser. I knew nothing about the Wild Chief Society, but uh, um, the first year the fundraiser was in Kelowna was my first year attending. Um, and before attending that for the first time, I think Richard and Helen had actually attended it for their first time and they met Colin. And then I went bear hunting with uh, Rich and Helen in spring of 2012. Um, so maybe it was 2013 probably would have been my first, um, first time attending. But anyways, we were in Bella Coola, uh, grizzly and black bear hunting in 2012 and that's where i met colin for my first time he was there uh hunting with a buddy and then the next year that first year it was in Kelowna. attended been hooked ever since uh knew very little i was i've always been a hunter conservationist knew very little about sheep and mountain hunting uh started to immerse myself in some sheep hunting concepts but not quite mountain hunting uh and uh, it's just kind of evolved from there. I've always been a bit of a gear junkie. Uh, I like the the best, the latest and greatest of everything. So uh, natural fit uh, if you're a sheep hunter. And I'm someone who I like to stay in decent physical shape. So uh, it just seemed like the right fit for the first couple of years. You know, it was just a fun time. You know, you, you meet a few people every, every year, a few more people to be social with, you keep in touch with. Um, and kind of branched off from there. I believe it was the third year in Kelowna. Kelowna did a run of three years before moving back to Kamloops. And so it would have been that third year. Uh, I put my name forward, but I had um, something come up so I couldn't attend the AGM. And uh, I was still relatively new to the society. Not a lot of people knew who I was. Um, Rich proxy to vote for me. I didn't get elected, which was fine. Uh, and I believe... The next year I might've laid back and in 2016 put my name forward again, actually attended the AGM that helps if you want to get elected, um, got elected the same year, Dave Marsh got elected for his first, uh, time on the uh, board, uh, started connecting with him real good before his passing. Um, uh, and the following year, uh, just with people's time availability and commitments, there'd been some changes with the society and uh, Mike Schroeder, the, that first year, had ushered me into the raffles program, uh, gave me most of the licensing, how to get up to date with gaming and applications, the legal stuff that are mandatory reporting. Uh, and man, I should probably strangle him because I've been, uh, you guys cemented my feet. I got elected to transition the next year into treasurer. And I believe I'm in my fifth year as treasurer right now. That's amazing, man. Um, so you've done a ton of work with the, on the treasurer side, but the, the, the thing that really resonates with me and stands out is that the raffle side, um, it's unbelievable the amount of work that you put into that. Um, people don't understand what's involved with the raffles. They just see a raffle come up and they're like, oh yeah, whatever. Um, and that's one thing that you've, with our society, you brought a ton of uh, structure um, you know, you do a fantastic job of accounting and, and, uh, keeping the gaming people happy, which is not no easy task. Uh, I've, I've been in the background watching all this and, uh, it's always interesting to see the amount of work and effort that goes into, to putting these together. And, you know, our wild sheep raffles, which are live right now, we've got five hunts in there, you know, look at the number of hours that were put into that, not only, you know, sourcing, um, 
the hunts, but then all the paperwork that went in behind it. And it's just uh, phenomenal. Now I'm curious, um, you've been doing raffles now for, you said that since that first year that you were on the board, has that been five years now? Is it six? Uh, I believe I'm into my sixth year right now. So when we hit our convention fundraiser AGM, uh, in and around March of 2022, that will wrap up my six years of board member, fifth consecutive years treasurer. So if I'm standing and reelected, I'll be starting my seventh year um, in some capacity with the board. Okay. And uh, so you raised any money with these raffles over the years? I've been <clears throat> setting you up here, buddy. I know you've been dying to, dying yeah. to go there, but uh, uh, let's, let's hear what you've done for raffles for the society. Uh, so, I mean, I think you you do give me more credit than sometimes I might be worth, uh, but I'll take the credit. So don't don't stop. Um, so the the first year I did very little planning. Mike Schroeder um, he just kind of planted it, said, "Here, this is how you do it." Uh, but raffles for that convention uh, grossed sixty three thousand five hundred. I'm an, I'm a number counter. I'm a bean counter. Um, if only I was as good with my own money as I am with the society's money. Um, I'd almost be a millionaire. Uh, so it, it just tailspin from there. I kind of took on that portfolio, um, ran with it. I'm generally not the one soliciting the donations. I'm slowly starting to do a better job at that, but people get donations and they give the administrative side of it to me, uh, to date for raffles and all but one. And it was a pub night where we did one and we actually canceled the other one. So I don't even count that application. Pretty much every raffle that I've applied for has been a sellout for a society, which is amazing. Um, even when we've had some tough years or, or conventions or may, maybe made a miscalculation and what, how desirable a prize might be, you know, it's amazing in that room. Uh, and the last two years with COVID on our online raffles, you know, even if there's tickets left, you know, we have people that know what we're all about and they step forward and say, hey, how many tickets you got left? Looks like you guys are struggling. Let's sell this out because we know where our money's going, which is absolutely amazing. Um, so I've just calculate the gross, you know, I've applied for these raffles. So my name is on the, the raffle licenses accounting to this amount. Um, Unfortunately, I had to go to the bush like three days before you did WSR this year. And WSR, if we sell everything out, we will gross $270,000. So raffle license that I firsthand have been the one to submit the application that we've gone and also sold out. I'm at $938,400 in raffles and all of those have sold out. So with our upcoming conventions, man, I hope they're in person because I'm dying to clink some glasses and beer bottles with people. Um, I hopefully I'll uh, hit myself into seven digits for uh, raffle licenses that I've uh, inquired for this society. That's phenomenal, man. Like you think about that $938,000 in revenue and uh, yeah. And, and the ton of work, um, you know, like I said, I get to see behind the scenes of the effort that goes into it and the amount of time creating these documents and then um, dotting the I's and crossing the T's to make sure that gaming's happy. Um, it's highly regulated, um, but uh, you know it's a testament to um, to you, and then also our members in the society, the amount of work that goes into this, and the amount of fundraising we've done. And um, you know, it doesn't take a lot of effort to um, you know to to articulate um, how important these raffles are to the society. You know, that literally, I think we're three hundred and. 
$58,000 we've committed in the last two years, in 21 and 22 to date, um, in wild sheep projects. And uh, there's no question, if we didn't have these raffles, we wouldn't be able to do that. It would be uh, it would be significantly less, and and it's a big part of our funding model for sure. So pretty exciting, man. It's uh, You're kind of the unsung hero because you're the guy in the back doing all the paperwork, doing all the heavy lifting, and people don't get to see it. And then, you know, for those of you that have the uh, benefit of being at our show here this uh, this winter, just keep an eye on Joe Humphreys. Um, you'll see that guy hustling. Um, he can't drink because when you're doing gaming stuff, you have to be uh, sober, obviously, for obvious reasons when you're handling money and making those kind of decisions. So, you know, he's the one guy that he's a volunteer and he's running around behind the scenes. So definitely uh, an un- unsung hero, Joe. And, um, and you know, we're so grateful for everything that you do. Don't, no one should ever undercut the value of being part of the problem versus part of the solution. Because part of the solution sometimes takes a little bit of the fun away. absolutely i i i I always talk that one day i'm going to go back to being part of the problem i'll always be a conservationist i'm always going to dedicate time to society and i'm not saying anytime soon but one day it'll be nice to go to a convention or a fundraiser that wild sheep society bc is hosting be allowed to actually buy one of those raffle tickets that was Mm -hmm. one of the reasons i actually got sucked in because like i said i wish i was as good with my own money I go to these conventions and I know the first three to four years, the money I dumped in now having the applications under my name where I cannot purchase a ticket. Mm -hmm. Relatives cannot purchase a ticket. um, Very heavily regulated. Uh, My pocketbook's none the better, but I have not been allowed to buy any of those raffle tickets. And I look at those prizes, some of the stuff, (laughs) our donors, the things that we bring in. Absolutely. I dream of it. I tell you, I dream of it. And I have been one number off of two different items. <sighs> one year, I was one number off of an RMR uh, custom gun. I think it was like an $8,700 rifle. Uh, and the last year, I could buy ra- uh, raffle tickets before I became a uh, treasurer. There was a run-up for the um, uh, uh, pronghorn antelope with Silver Sage. Right. And me and another guy, I tell you... It wasn't aggressive where we were almost to uh, punching each other legitimately, but I think both of us wanted to uh, elbow the other person in the team. <laughs> I, I don't know who the person was. He got there first. I think he bought the first ticket and I bought the second, whatever it was. And that was the winning ticket. Oh, and no. So just missed it by one. And I'm like, ah, oh, one day. I'm going to get it one day. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, awesome, dude. So. Uh, we got our WSR on now. This is timely. We might as well talk about it. We got five cool hunts. Um, give our listeners just an overview of what what's on the docket right now and uh, how cool these hunts are. What isn't on the docket right now? I I don't know anywhere. And even with Sheep Show getting ready to go, okay, they've they've got some pretty big stuff. But um, you want to see North America? You want to be a conservationist? See the lands? You want to see some cool animals uh, and a chance to get a world class animal? Um, we got uh, the um, Mexico, uh, Texas, or sorry, Desert Bighorn uh, with Sierra El Alamo. Uh, this is the second year we've had that. Uh, they're a gracious donor. Um, I haven't heard back at last year's winter. It should be hunting probably in the next couple of weeks. I think it was like a mid-December hunt that he won last year. Um, so... I know that's a great hunt. There's been a lot of feedback with guys who have taken that hunt from uh, the Wild Sheep Foundation and had a great time. 
another hunt that we have, we added it on this year. We didn't have it last year is the uh, Texas Audad hunt. Man, they're a cool looking animal. Um, all of these hunts that we do, it's all expenses paid. It's part of our uh, obligations with gaming and the prize um, that we provide a travel voucher. Uh, so we got Texas Audad. Uh, yeah, I want that hunt, by the way. Uh, when, when are we getting another yep. one that we can do yep. internally that I don't got to be part of? Yeah, uh, that's the one I we, want. <clears throat> for all you BCers, and you can only buy these tickets in BC anyways, uh, Midnight Sun Outfitters here in the Yukon, uh, North Central uh, North Central Yukon uh, Grizzly Bear Hunt. Uh, there is the option to transition that into a, a caribou hunt, but uh, there are some beautiful mountain grizzlies here. They're, uh, I just got mine back from the taxidermist two weeks ago. Um, I got mine on a solo day hunt uh, last May, uh, spring, May 2020. Uh, cool colors up here. Uh, we have the silver sage antelope hunt, pronghorn antelope it, out of Brooks, Alberta. Uh, speed goats, one of the fastest animals on the planet. Uh, and cool color and features to them. And then we have the ultimate sheep camp uh, sponsored by Barney's. Um, help me out here, boys, because there's a lot of sponsors for that package. I know Kevin at Barney's just donates a ton. Sitka's a huge contributor to their Italian sporting goods, I believe, with the gun. And uh, Rackmaster, uh, Trevor Crothers, uh, donating a shoulder mount to the winner. Uh, that, yeah, you crushed it all. That was all of them. Yeah. That, that prize package, I mean, there's no hunt there, but that's a gear package and taxidermy package uh, valued at somewhere in the neighborhood of $18,000 Canadian. Uh, that is head to toe. That is tent, rifle with, with scope, uh, spotting scope, binos, rangefinder, boots, backpack, sleeping bag, a Hilleberg tent, uh, Sitka head to toe. Like um, the only thing that's not in there is some mountain house and maybe a jet boil. So, mm-hmm. That might even be in there. I'd have to look at the gear list. Again. It is. Yeah. There's a jet boil in there too, buddy. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. Soup to nuts for sure. Yeah. That's such a great package. And uh, yeah, Kevin's always such a gracious donor. And that's the one. It's the ultimate sheep hunter package. Mm-hmm. You win that, you're going to go sheep hunting. You don't need to own anything. You win that. You just go out in the mountain. You got it all. So you got to buy some food, like Joe said. <laughs> yeah. Did we hit them all? Uh, yeah. That's all five, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that w- yeah, just an awesome lineup this year, and uh, yeah, just a, a huge amount of work. Um, and now we got show season coming up as well. We're gonna have some cool raffles there. Um, as you all know, we can't talk about uh, raffles until we got the license in hand. So we're not gonna tell you what they are, but we can suffice to say they're gonna be bloody cool. So awesome. Lots. Okay. Lot, lots. Lots of fun. Ge- gear, guns, and hunts. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Joe. So now to the important stuff. Enough of this conservation business. Let's talk the fun stuff. So I understand you've had a pretty boring fall sitting around, um, you know, not doing much, working lots and didn't get out much. So uh, I guess there's really nothing to talk about hunt-wise for the fall, eh? You know, it's it, it depends what you consider interesting. I mean, yeah, you know, there there's something to be said uh, for – Pain and suffering, brute force and ignorance, uh, school of hard knocks, uh, you name it. Uh, it's been a memorable hunting season for me, uh, to say the least. Um, 
well, I mean, we'll get right into it with, uh, with me having a successful sheep hunt, uh, finally, uh, solo there. I'm not going to lie though. The rest of my hunting season, I've had a lot of days, um, putting in for moose and caribou, um, other than my sheep hunt, it's like I won the lottery and you don't get to win a second lottery in the same year because it's been pretty dry other than that. A lot of days, man, I've seen some cool stuff this year. Um, but, you know, talk is cheap. <laughs> so, okay, so we're calling this one Kicked Out. Um, and we're going to talk about what the Lesson One Club is in a minute. But so now you're no longer a Lesson One Club member. Um, tell us, well, tell us your sheep hunting history. Um, you, you hunted stones in BC before, right? Did you? I did not. You? Okay. No, I, uh, I did hunt goats, uh, and I'm still goatless. I've had a few close encounters and, uh, I can't lie. Full support, Wild Sheep Society BC, Yukon Wild Sheep Foundation, Wild Sheep Foundation, um, shout out to Rocky Mountain Goat Alliance. There is something about goats and maybe it's because I've had close encounters and not yet harvested one, but even prior to getting my first sheep and getting kicked out this year, really, really close last year during the rut too at getting a doll. Um, there is something about a goat that mm-hmm. still, I, I have to get one and I will put the effort in and the pain and suffering is even that much more. Some of their environments where they're at. Uh, but uh, no, I did not hunt sheep uh, in BC the first few years while uh, just getting into mountain hunting uh, and being a member, I just, uh, I lived in a very isolated community uh, in, uh, I was on Denny Island, but near the village of Bella Bella uh, on the central coast of British Columbia for five years, really, as I was getting into uh, mountain hunting and time constraints, lack of knowledge, maybe lack of a hunting partner. I just never got into the stone hills. Uh, and that's a bit of a regret. Absolutely. Um, hopefully there's still ample opportunity. Uh, there's also some pockets of stones up here in the Yukon, um, depending on how you, uh, you evaluate what's a, a stone in the Yukon. But, uh, I believe there's some, some true stones there on, on some BC bordering areas. So I definitely, I want to get one, but, uh, I got kicked out this year. I got my first, uh, Got my first sheep, and uh, you got to start somewhere. Well, but I understand this was pretty easy, right? Like, um, you know, you probably drove in and, you know, guided hunt, shot it from, just stepped out of the truck and shot it from there, right? Ethically, of course, but it was a pretty easy hunt from what I understand, right? Oh, no, I called it into my backyard. <laughs> okay, yeah, so I- solo backpack hunt for a uh, dull sheep, man. That is that is over the top. I, I have to say, like, that's next level stuff. So, and in all all seriousness a ton of respect for anyone that does a solo hunt for one and then uh, like you know hands down one of the the mind-blowing to do a a solo sheep hunt and be successful unbelievable man let me hear it all right well leading up to this year i've done a couple you know I've, i've moved up to the yukon in uh the last week of 2017 it's between Christmas and new year's is when I drove up from the lower mainland in Vancouver Island, um, in transition of my move up to the, up to Whitehorse. Uh, and you get to the Yukon, it's one year to the day of residency. So, you know, took possession of my house in 2017, but really wasn't a resident, hadn't moved and physically relocated. Um, so that one year starts counting down. So 2018, uh, 
hunting season rolls around, our hunting season in the Yukon uh, for everything except for bison, and I'll, I can go through the seasons, but it's August 1st, everything opens up in the Yukon. There are some permit areas, which when I refer to a permit area, it's the same as a BC LEH area um, where it's a draw. Uh, weighted lotteries up there. We got sheep areas, moose areas, caribou areas that are permit hunts. Vast majority of the Yukon um, sucks. Actually, it sucks. No one wants to come up here. Um, it, it is is open, uh, but it's vast and it can be challenging to get to. So, 2018 got to do a few hunts, did, but not for myself. I just accompanied um, and got to start exploring. Obviously, sheep being one of the primary things. Uh, in my mind, 2019, the, my summer, I'm trying to remember what my 2019 was like. But anyways, it just, for, for a sheep hunt, it, it wasn't in the cards for me um, until late season. And I did a couple days of solo sheep hunting in the rut, which is everything goes until October 31st. So August 1st to October 31st, that's when it closes uh, moose closes, caribou closes, except for uh, Dempster Barren Ground caribou. Um, it's all done. No bear hunting, no moose. So, the, but the last few days, uh, thin horns or sheep in general, especially in the Yukon, those last few days of October where the sheep are running. Um, so they're curled lips, uh, low head, straight neck, uh, chasing the ewes around. Um, got a little bit of inside information from a buddy. Uh, on some spots uh, that are some uh, wintering areas where the rams start coming in to filter where the lambs and ewes are. Uh, got in on the two days I was able to hunt, got into some really nice rams, solo hunting. Um, can't pull, get myself to pull the trigger. I don't think it was legal. I've, ha I've shown some photos of, of a ram I was on. A um, couple people have talked about, uh, you know, four in the crown uh, me personally, I just could not convince myself. I couldn't talk myself into it. And I got no regrets over that. Looking back, it's not worth, it's not worth, uh, pull, pulling that trigger and making that mistake, but, um, unsuccessful, but there were uh, two days in a row, lambs and ewes and a bunch of dinks and a couple, maybe squeakers, just not willing to, uh, to bet my hunting license and reputation on it. Uh, I was inside a hundred yards on sheep for three or four hours a day. Uh, take, I got lots of cool photos. Um, it's, it's funny during the rut, the, the, the animal behaviors, it, it's different. They don't care. They've got one thing on their mind. Uh, and then last year had to do a work trip in Ontario for six weeks, uh, which bordered mid July to mid August, 2020 came back from Ontario. That's when numbers were kind of at the lowest they've been since the COVID outbreak. Uh, Kind of, I, I had a duty to, to quarantine coming back, um, had some wiggle room on how I did it and what better way, like, you know, I've got a daughter that was starting kindergarten. I'd actually, uh, for my work trip, I'd missed her first couple of days of school. So I got back, got to see her keep 10, 15 foot difference. I slept in my garage that night to keep separation for my first night back, packed up, went into the sheet, went into the hills solo. I did eight days solo, um, then in mid to late August um, got into some Rams last year. Cool spot. Same areas I was at in this year, uh, different hillside though. And the weather was horrible. Like I was drenched for the first four days. Um, 
there, there is a trail hiking into the area where it was. I lost it. So I bushwhacked in 12 foot tall shrubs and buck brush and marshy area, uh, using lambs everywhere until like day five. Um, I was up on some hill, saw one ewe, one lamb, looked across the valley about six kilometers away. And I'm using a 45 power spotting scope last year. Great, uh, great spotting scope. I just, a 65 or an 85 is obviously that much better. And I spot some rams on another hillside. And uh, I just start dreaming like what I, with what I'm seeing for bone and antler is uh, it's amazing. Uh, Especially for me seeing some legal rams. We've got some spots where you can't hunt uh, in the Yukon, but you can see legal rams all the time. So I kind of had the good idea what I'm looking for. I'm sheep hunting. I better know what's legal. Uh, So, okay, I'm going to go up to this other spot, maybe dry off. I find it, I refine the trail that I'd lost three days earlier. Um, so I go up and, uh, this is like day six. I'm running, starting to run low on food. This is my first, let's just say legitimate solo hunt last year where I've done more. I've done three, two and three day hunts and, and, uh, spots, you know, looking for fresh ground, but this is a first solo hunt. And so I'm running low on food. I've not managed my technology that well. So with the inReach, I've already been away from my family for six weeks on a work trip, see them for 10 minutes, and then I'm away again. So just mentally, I was I was exhausted uh, by day five, day six, starting to run low on food, inReach batteries down to 23%. Uh, poor management, user error. But anyway, I get up to this hillside. It's now spent two days. It's day seven. And... I get up there and I, I know I'm camping low. I, I always camp low. I don't know why I, I should camp up high, but I, I prefer to be down low and spend three hours a day hiking just to get into sheep country. Uh, I, hike, I hike up where I've already discovered a large portion of this hill I'm on and it's completely socked in. So I'm telling the wife, you know, if this doesn't clear by two, I'm, I'm out of here. I, in the last three days, I've seen everything change. So this is last year, so I'll hurry to speed this up. But anyways, it gets to 2 o'clock. Fuck it. I'm done. You know, I hate this place. I take three, four steps. I turn my back to the hillside. I start hiking down. And I'm talking white out. Like, I'm trying to range a rock that's 25 yards away. And it's so thick of fog that my rangefinder can't pick up on this rock. Like, boom. I turn my back and within 30 seconds of starting to walk down the hill, it's like, poof, like everything clears game changer. Now one day. And then the next day I'd seen legal Rams up here, but this is three days ago. So, okay, where'd they go? So I start going and my mind's telling me, well, I'm up high on this plateau. They're probably down below me. So I spend the next couple hours after saying game changer, exploring this plateau. I haven't been on. Nope, nope, nope. And as I'm turning around to head back, okay, my hunt's done there's this rocky cliff and bluff and it had a bunch of snow and big chunks of ice in it. Always glass folks, always glass, every step, every speck, tear the hillside apart. I just pass that snow, 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 rocky. It's in the rain shadow. Not nothing to worry about. Something as I started walking away after two hours of exploring up here to the highest peak that's in this entire range. I'm like, something doesn't feel right. Put glass on there. And there's four of the six rams that I had seen. All four of these rams just 
shoot from the hip, shoot any one of them. They're all legal. Two, two of them, you probably want to get closer. They're probably eight, nine-year-olds, but they're legal rams. And then there's two that they were still kind of heads in the fog. That bone was amazing. I bet you they were rams of a lifetime. They're probably 10, 11-year-old rams at least. Uh, I can't say for certain. So I started the stock. But I'll, of course, they've been watching me for 45 minutes to an hour while I'm walking around there. So when I started going to site, I could poke up and kind of um, – look and scan where they were they were already starting to move when i went out of sight they were they were getting nervous uh, i i started trying to line up i got to five four hundred yards i finally got to about 360 yards uh using granddad's old gut old uh, 270 amazing gun i've shot almost except for black tail deer my first of almost everything with it in the last uh six or seven years uh so it's got sentimental value i wanted to use it uh but i wasn't really confident taking a tr- uh, shot with it uh, cause it's got some old school optics and everything beyond 250. And I dropped my pack, tried to go, they, they scattered. So I'm like, okay, I know I'm at the top of this hillside, tried to scatter around to go the other side to cut them off, which was a great idea. Except as I went, I went 60 yards up a different hillside to cut them off if they were going to circle back around. And, uh, there's the two dinks and I'm 80 yards staring them in the eye. Okay. So again, now the fog's starting to drop back in, starts being sideways snow. So now I'm chasing sheep in a blizzard on a hillside I've never been on before. I don't really know the lay of the land up here. And I know it's steep if I walk too far to the side. I don't want to get, I don't want to get cliffed out or anything. And right in front of me, 150 yards, it's like a ghost, like that white on light gray concept. I look up and there is a legal ram and he's in shooting range. And I kind of start reaching for my sling. Like I don't want to take my eyes. We're in the, the straight on stair. And no, I struggling with my sling for whatever reason. I look down and by, I look up and the Ram's gone. We broke eye contact and it took off. I spent 20 minutes up there. Nothing, nothing fresh Wolverine tracks. Okay. So that's the end of that story. I get down, say, fuck this place. The weather sucks. I'm sticking to my word. I hike out. So that's last year. Of course, hiking out was a beautiful day. Couldn't ask for better. So I do 19 clicks in five and a half hours on my hike out. I was just, I was ready to go home. Okay. So now we're here to this year. Um, nothing stopping me from going sheep hunting this year, guys. Nothing was stopping me from going sheep hunting this year. The only decision I had was when do I go? So originally I'm planning to go, let's go on July 27th or July 28th and talk to a few people this area i'm in and i pushed it back i didn't go into the bush and i didn't start hiking in until um the 29th so this is i mean you were right in my in the introduction right i drove and i just shot it for my truck but i drove and i had to hike 17 kilometers in so i don't know (laughs) if you can call that shooting it from the truck there's a little bit of a yeah a little segue there uh, well, we know you used, you know you used a creed more if you did. <laughs> Does this look like a man bun? Well, maybe a little bit. Can't really tell. So <laughs> shiny though. I made some changes this year. Um, not a lot, of, ton of changes, but uh, Granddad's old two seventy, beautiful gun, love it. Um, it's eleven pounds you know, heavy wood stock and everything. I made some decisions and I borrowed a man bun and I don't regret it for a second. I don't care what anyone says. 
Okay, so what were you shooting? Was it a straight 6.5 Creed? 6.5 Creed, Kimber, and Montana. You, oh, Kimber, okay, sweet. What would it have for a scope on it? It had, I believe, it's, I, now I'm guessing myself. That doesn't matter. I, bore, I, I believe it was a Swaro Z3. Okay, nice. Turret on it or just straight? Turret. Okay, nice. Okay. Um. So that, I mean, that right there, that shot, that shaves six four pounds off. Four, four and a half to five pounds. The, the, the gun was right around six and a half, six, six point seven pounds. Yeah, that's what mine is. Um, so change that up. Um, and this will be part of the story. Also borrowed uh, optics. So I borrowed a uh, swirl scope. Uh, I've got the Koa um, polymer TSN, uh, the the forty five power scope, beautiful scope, love it, ultra light, and I truly believe Koa competes with the top five in glass. Um, but I just I needed something that would give me a clear shot at a at a better distance. So the opportunity was there, so I borrowed the Swirl spotting scope. Um, everything else was my standardized gear. I run uh, the MSR uh, hubba hubba or what the two person tent. Um, and you know, I got a stone glacier sky guide, um, and fill it full. I'm a pack horde. It's a problem. I got a question for you. What, what was your pack weight going in with the rifle? Did you weigh it? I kind of tried to do the calculations. Um, people are going to don't turn off the podcast guys. Experience, inexperience, we all make mistakes. My pack was probably around 80 pounds hiking in. Yeah. How long were you going in for a week? 10 days? What was it? My plan was 10 to 11 days. Yeah. So, you know, you're 20 pounds worth of food there anyway. So, you know, that's that's a reasonable weight. I, I know we shouldn't be carrying that much, but solo backpack, um, optics, rifle, food. Yeah. Like what you can't do anything else. Oh, right. So it, it was 80 to 85 pounds all in. Um I did my best to try and self-film it. And I do a little introductory thing as I'm leaving the truck. I got a late start. I'm going, and I, I do, you know, ultralight. There's something to be said for ultralight or enduring some discomfort. Uh, I've got no problem enduring discomfort, but I do like some of the luxuries of life. But, you know, I just did that. Yeah, I were late. I could be in better shape. I'm not. Got a heavier pack than I should. Didn't shave my toothbrush. That's probably why my pack is overweight. Didn't shave my <laughs> toothbrush. That's what the problem is. Um, but, but no, in all honesty, there was nothing there that I didn't need, but there are definitely some luxuries I could have done without, I, I packed too much food. My, my overweight in gear wasn't the problem. Um, when I packed out, when I was done, um, my pack was so heavy, I had to leapfrog and we'll get to that. But I was probably still packing out after eight days, 11, 12 pounds of food. Right. So. So you know, that, that's, we've had that dialogue a lot and it's sorry to segue, but I get like, that's a discussion point is that, you know, that food, um, you could go lighter and you could run a calorie deficit worse than you're already running. But what, you know, then it becomes an energy concern, right? Like, do you have the energy to go and kill the Ram, right? You're sitting on the hilltop and you're exhausted and you look at a Ram three miles away and you go, eh, I'm too tired to do it. Right. So, you know, it's a trade-off and I, I I'm with you. I'd rather go a little heavy and have food and the calories to do the job you need to do than be sitting around camp and not being able to get out of bed because you're too yeah. calorie de- too much of a yeah. calorie deficit. Totally well, agree. 
I think I've said it once or twice already uh, on this recording and, you know, brute force and ignorance is kind of my game. I try and be in shape. I'm not always in the greatest shape uh, because I do enjoy my couch and a, and a cold beer in my hand. But um, I was going to get a sheep and I, I, I had time constraints, you know, 10 or 11 days was my max, but I was not leaving until it was the last minute and I was hiking out under the stars empty handed or until I had something. So I wanted to make sure uh, even in August, you know, I was doing some work in near the mountains and I was looking up on some ranges in mid July, there was fresh snow. So uh, if there's going to be a weather day, if I get, I'm solo hunting. So if I get injured and it's fogged in and I can't be there, well, you know, at least I've got some nutrition. Uh, I've got some options. So all of that stuff's running through my head when I'm planning to do a solo hunt, you know, if I get hurt, how do I take care of myself? Uh, first things you got to think of is, uh, protection from the elements, uh, hydration, nutrition. So, so that's kind of how I planned. Um, so we get to it. It's, uh, July 29th. I finally decided on that after pushing my hunt back a day or two, uh, got a later start leaving the house, um, uh, you know, kiss the family goodbye, uh, unpack, I I packed my backpack the night before, was questioning how heavy I was. So I unpacked it, repacked, probably still shaved four or five pounds before getting that 80, 80, 85 pound weight. Uh, drive off. It's about a three and a half, four hour drive to where from Whitehorse from to where I was going to go hunting. Uh, and even though I'd been there last year and hiked a very similar trail, uh, last year I parked my truck way further away than I needed to. Uh, this year I did the same thing. I figured out I could probably have driven up another three and a half, four kilometers before having to get away from my truck. But I like to make sure my truck's safe and it's confident where I'm parking it. So I get off, get everything together, put, uh, the hunting pants on and the boots and start going. So it was one thirty, two o'clock in the afternoon when I'm leaving my truck and, uh, I've got, <clears throat> trying to think probably around a minimum of 1300 meters elevation. There's, there's <clears throat> a trail, but there's, it's not the easiest trail to hike. And it's a, it's a trail up through a mountain pass. And then I'm in the Valley where I want to spend the majority of my time, but it's still, you know, six or seven kilometers up to the, up to the summit. And then another well, it depends where you want to go, where you see sheep, whether it's five, six, eight, 10, 12 kilometers down in the valley. Uh, and you're just glassing both sides of the valley, uh, looking for, looking for sheep, looking for the perfect specimen. So I got as far as I planned knowing the time I was leaving <clears throat> on day one, uh, probably made my camp about 10 30, 11 o'clock at night, uh, had a good sleep, got some calories in me, slept in again. I'm waking up on July 30th. I've still got around 48, 36 to 48 hours before the opener. So I had, I'm not on Rams yet, but there's not an, a huge rush. So, uh, I tried not to push my body too much, got up, you know, packed up camp, had a couple of meals, maybe an extra nap, keep walking. And I was planning to put in another six to 10 kilometers on, on day two to hike in. I was actually planning to go just 
straight up to where I was chasing sheep um, back at, in 2020 because I know that there's sheep there um, and there's probably good rams there year round. It's just, it's a perfect area for them. Uh, but I hiked a couple kilometers, two, two and a half kilometers, maybe three, an hour, hour and a half in. And again, glass, 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 always keep looking. Um, and I'm glassing, there's lambs, there's ewes in this area quite often. So I've seen 40 or 50 lambs and ewes combined. And, uh, and then I look up and that's a little different and there's, there's some movement, but I, I know now it was 11 or 12, but I'm what I, at the time I, my mindset is, okay, there's rams and this is through binos right now. There's eight to 11 of them and I'm glassing them with binos and enough of that break out the spotter and I'm still three, three and a half, maybe four, even four kilometers away. And it is a stinking hot day. Um, if you're packing with that much weight, like it's still, it's two, two thirty in the afternoon on day two, on my second day here. And it's gotta be 26, 27 degrees. Like it was just, it was stinking hot. Um, and the black, the mosquitoes weren't too bad, but the black flies were awful. If you stopped my first night hiking in, I had two small bottles of bug sprint. I think I used one of them just in the first day. I thought, I thought that was going to be the game changer or and end my trip early. Uh, anyways, it's like, well, this is gift wrapped. They're not on the hill I was planning to go to, but I can see even from where I am and you've got your heat waves, your thermals, um, still a lot of distance. Same thing as the year before. I'm looking through glass. I'm like, even though I'm a thousand meters below them right now, if I can see bone like this, I'm confident that they're legal. Um, I'm feeling really good. So I watched him a little bit, hiked a little bit more, found a good place to camp, but that was also relatively easy to the hillside uh, to access this, this particular mountain where the sheep were. And uh, that's it. Oh yeah. Let's, let's watch them for a couple of days. And on opening day, we'll go up that that's a perfect plan. Sometimes it's best to think to, to stick with your uh, initial thought. Um, I did not. So I went, made camp that night, uh, kept them in glass. It's great, wonderful. Uh, the next morning, so now we're to the morning of July 31st. I'm glassing a few of the sheep. I can't see all of them. Um, my original plan was just because this is a mountain I haven't been on before. I do know the layout. I've done a lot of maps and uh, Google Earth and different telemetry stuff. Uh, so I have a good idea of what how, what the landscape is, but fuck it. Let's, let's go for it. Let's, uh, let's go up there and explore. And then we'll come back down and on the opener at three 30 and three, three 30 in the morning, I'll get up and I'll hike back up. Every time I go solo, I've always, I'm not bringing my tent or sleeping bag with me, but I've always got enough stuff to spend the night. I got layers. I get up there and I see it takes a while, uh, three and a half, four hour hike to get up there. Um, and then I start, I get into a band of six of the rams and I think I'm doing good. I'm not, I bump them. So I've already, we're on the 31st and I've already screwed up, not critically, but uh, you know, they're, they're aware of where I am and I backed off and I cliffed myself into some, uh, some shelter and I watched them for a bit. They ended up, uh, after a couple of hours, they were like enough of this. So they got up and walked away, but they, they didn't scatter too hard. 
Um, still wish I wouldn't have uh, got that close because what range? How far? Inside three hundred yards. Okay. Yeah. So so there was I was on a cliff that went down vertical into a gully, and then they were kind of in a cliffy peninsula area. So I'm up poking over and I'm looking, you know, two, 250 yards over to where they are. And there, there are all these different little pedestals, um, in this cliffy stuff that solo, uh, solo hunting, you probably don't want to be climbing. I ended up climbing some of that stuff later on. Uh, but, uh, I'm kind of like, yeah, they're not in an area I want to shoot anyways, but, uh, it is what it is. So I spent some time up there. There, there were, I think, believe there was six sheep. So they got up, they fucked off. Uh, I'm starting to question my thought. And now the day's starting to wear on. So now it's 7, 7.30. I've got an idea where they went. So I go to the opposite side of the hillside and just to explore it, get the lay of the land. And again, it's another beautiful, stinking hot day. And the sun's just starting to go. So it's starting to cool down. Take my boots off, socks out, dry my feet out, and damn near suntan. Have a little half-hour nap. Get myself to about 8 o'clock. Uh, August 1st in the Yukon, I mean, daylight's not really a huge concern until about 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night. And I start looking down at my tent as I'm putting my boots back on. I'm like, I don't know exactly where they are right now, but they're up here. It, it's wonderful. It's a perfect situation. And I found a little cave. Fuck, this is a good place to spend the night. Let's let, let's uh, sleep in a sheep cave. Um, it's really fucking windy on the top of mountains at night. Well, especially when you've got inversions of beautiful, crisp daylight, not a cloud in the sky, temperature variations, wind starts howling. Yeah. It doesn't uh, go off very much in the Yukon in the, in the summer, right? I'm sure it was still 20, <laughs> 20 degrees at night. It's amazing. The temperature, var- temperature variation at night. Eh? It's like in the mountains. Mm. I mean, there, there were areas in direct sunlight. It was probably over 30 degrees. Um, you know, in the shade where temperature would generally be measured, still probably 25, 26 degrees that day. Uh, be- beautiful at 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But, uh, you know, I'm doing this. So now I'm starting to exert myself uh, a fair bit on the 31st. Definitely got too much sun. Had a little bit of sunscreen. Um, didn't use enough. So that starts taking its toll on. So I've got too much sun now. Uh, I've made a decision to, to stay up there. So I find a nice cave. It's great shelter. And overall, like if I had hunkered down, if I was injured, it's a, it, it's a great spot, but it is a, a mossy floor that was damp. So I take my, uh, my rain cover. I lay that down. I've got a glassing pad. Um, and what else did I have? I had, I had one other, one other item. And I lay that down to try and give myself a moisture barrier. Uh, most of it was good, except those rain flies, even the Stone Glacier rain fly, I didn't get wet, but you just put something that's such a thin membrane over something that's wet or damp, and it still just sucks the heat out of you. So at night, it wind's blowing, I'm trying to sleep. It, it was a horrible night. I mean, it, it wasn't uh, I'm going to die kind of thing, but it was not a comfortable night. Like, it was one of my more miserable nights I've ever spent in the bush. Um, it's windy and I thought the cave was good, but of course the wind switched direction. So the wind is funneling directly into the cave entrance. Um, I've got every layer that I packed with me on the mountain, which was still a fair bit on, um, 
and I just, I endured it. I probably woke up around quarter to four, four o'clock in the morning. Initial daylight's just starting to peak. And I decide I'm going to have myself a mount, um, a backpacker's country meal, uh, like a hot breakfast, uh, try and use some of the heavier weight first. And I ate, but I used my jet boil. I burned more fuel because I left it on for about five or 10 minutes in this little, little rock shelter cave, if you will. And I was using my jet boil as a furnace to get my body up and going for in the morning. Like I, I, I don't think I was hypothermic, but I had such a miserable night. I was probably sub hypothermic where my body, my core temperature was just like, okay, you got to get moving. You got to get walking. Um, cause I, I was pretty miserable. High spirits. So it's opening day. We're, we're August 1st now. Uh, this, this is what dreams are made of. It's August 1st. I'm already at the top of the mountain. Uh, well, things for- are going to happen for me. And, and the thing is, like, just to your point there, that anyone that's not, not has not spent a night on the mountain without a tent, it's a completely different experience. Um, it's just you can't you can't explain it until you experience it. You've been there, Joe, and like just being in you, you know you were in the, the, the in that cave, but there's just something about not having a shelter and being in the mountains and sleep spending the night on the mountain overnight. It's just it, it's brutal, um, and it's. It's so, it definitely makes a man out of you for sure. I, I, I can I can appreciate where you're coming from. Until you experience it, nobody can understand what you're talking about. It's just one of those things. So um, that's pretty phenomenal that you not only did a solo backpack uh, hunt that you were successful, but then spent the night on the mountain without a tent. That's impressive. <laughs> I I mean, I, I've had solo nights on the mountain, and I've slept without a tent on mountains and out hunting, but this one was pretty pretty miserable. Um, and I'm sure I'll do it again someday. Uh, but anyway, so I get up, get going, get, get my shit together. Uh, I am still thinking we're first light. It's August 1st game on let, let, let's do this. This is what dreams are made of. Um, ever since attending 2017 is when I attended my first, uh, sheep show in Reno, uh, attended a few more since. Uh, went to the less than one club. I mean, always dreamt of winning a hunt, but it's like enough of this shit. It's time to get kicked out. I'm ready to go. Uh, so I'm motivated. Um, we, we learn things when we do it, when we make mistakes and I'm probably a little too motivated. Uh, uh, it's August 1st, right? I'm at the top of the mountain. I know there's sheep here. Let's get this shit going. Like you let's get kicked out. Um, Obviously, I didn't put sheep to bed that night because I bumped those six the night before. Uh, where I was, like, I knew they were still on the mountain and, and in close proximity to me. And close proximity is they're within anywhere from four to 800 meters to within two kilometers. Like, they're on this hill. It's just all about rounding and scanning this hill. So I start I start working and picking the mountain apart. I'm, I'm scanning the deep stuff first. And uh, where all these sheep were, where they've been for the last 48 hours, not there, not there. Uh, Obviously, there's a sheep I bumped, but there were still half of that band that had split off where um, the six that I was looking at, one of them was legal, uh, definitely a shooter. And I knew there was one other good shooter uh, in the band. No idea um, where they are. So I'm just working. I'm trying not to skyline myself, but I'm kind of going back and forth from one ridge to the other, looking down 
and I start to tailing. I'm starting to lose a little bit of faith already. I'm two hours into the hunt and I'm getting to the, the end of this ridge where the mountain ends. It heads back down to the valley um, where I'm going. So it's probably around quarter to seven, seven o'clock now. I'd have to look. I actually filmed a video and I look down. Uh, down there, there's a bowl that I came up the day before for the way getting up. And then there's a, a little Creek and waterfall that goes down to the main Valley bottom, cross the Creek. And then there's a hump back where my tent is, where, where my camp is. Again, I said, I, I usually actually camp low. Um, it's just what I do. I'm not saying it's the right thing or not. Everyone's kind of got their style of hunting where they want to camp for mountain hunting and something white catches my eye looking down. So I get my binos up and there's this fucking ram and he's not a ram that i'd seen he could have been with the band backside of the mountain i don't know but he's way heavier than the uh, the two legal rams that i'd seen uh before i watched this ram and he goes down 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 this waterfall in this cliff that i climbed up uh below the bowl so the the bowl in this where this waterfall is about halfway up uh for elevation goes way down and now i'm watching him at the valley bottom in a creek bed, bouncing through the buck brush, all going, goes through the main uh, creek, the main uh, watershed that's in this valley, pops up, and then goes to his right up the trail. There's a hiking trail, and then goes back up, and without a doubt, he's within 250, 300 yards of where my tent is. And then he goes up, and then he keeps going and goes up the mountain that was behind my tent, which is the mountain where I was chasing sheep last year in the blizzard. And this ra this ram is heavy. Um, I would guess he's a 10 or 11 year old ram. He was heavy ram though, uh, heavy doll. And he goes up and self-doubt starts to creep in. I hadn't seen this ram before and I knew that, but self-doubt, fuck me. What have I done? Um, I've screwed up now. Do I, do I stop what I'm doing right now? Say, fuck it, go back down, rest up, get ready to go up the other mountain. Because that's where I was going originally. I was going up that hill. I'm not going up the way he went up, but I know where he is. Um, and the day before, so on the 31st, up there on the other side, I'd been glassing over there just to see if there's sheep. Didn't see any, but there's three just trophy class uh, Booners uh, mountain caribou. And there's three big chunks of snow up there. This is a closed area for caribou. It's a permit area. I didn't have a permit. So uh, it, it was off the table. It's not like I could uh, switch up my hunt. But there's these big, so sorry, segue. There's these big, three big chunks of snow and ice. And for two days, uh, this continued on after they were there the, on August 1st too. They, each one of them had their own chunk of ice, six to 800 yards apart from one another. And at top four or five kilometers away, but I, I glass them with a spotting scope. And at times it's like a dog getting his belly rubbed, their feet in the air and their back and they're rolling in the ice and the snow. And again, it's 25 to 30 degrees up there. Right. So they're not move until the weather changes. They're not moving off of these pieces of ice. Um, so anyways, that other side of the hill, but you can see both aspects from where I am. Ram goes up just about halfway up. Uh, I'm watching them. I'm watching them. Uh, He's a ram I want. He's a ram to this day I still want. But, um, and he just keeps, after that, he got a, you know, so he's gone down probably 1,200 vertical meters. Now he's gone across this valley for seven or 800 meters within 300 yards of my tent, back up. Um, so I watched him for 15, 20 minutes and uh, started turning into a bit of a Grinch, right? Just groveling and self-doubt. Um, okay, well, 
that's one ram. Let's let's just say he's part of that this band of eleven rams or so that that I know I've seen up here. Um, there's still got to be ten more. So even if none of them are legal, I got to find these rams. Uh, so I keep going. No rams, no rams, and then I start seeing a couple specks of white. And uh, but I'm now in a spot where I've kind of clipped myself out. I'm on a bit of a razorback ridge. And so really the only way to go is to keep going towards them. So I'm in stock mode here. I don't, I've seen this Ram. I haven't judged him yet. So I'm in stock mode. I'm not in shoot and kill mode. Um, shoved him a little bit. He went down and circled back and around and maybe could have been a squeaker Ram. Not nothing that I was looking for, even for getting, trying to get kicked out for my first time. Um, and he disappeared. So then I start, I know on the inside in these cliffs uh, and there's a few different pockets of it, but I'm, pretty clear pretty confident um that nothing there um so i start looking the backside, and i'm working down up and down this ridge and the shale slope uh but there's all these nooks and crannies where ramps can hide like they can be 30 yards away so i'm starting to like okay um i gotta pick this mountain apart stone for stone um so i you know some people i know the Ryan Leafs, Greg McHale's of the world, you know, listen to some vice of them, uh, see some of their social media posts or uh, with Ryan, you know, he and I, we have beers pretty often. Okay. It's like, okay, I'm trying to get my first round. Let's gather our composure. Let's, let's do what we know. So let's start moving slower, pick it apart. What we should, what I should have been doing from the, uh, from the start, I say we because multiple personalities probably started to pop out by, by this time. Um, <laughs> so so I, I, I'm working with this. I'm talking to myself. This is what I want to do. I slow it down. That probably holds for a little bit. And then I see a couple of rounds below me. They're dinks. They're, they're not shooters. And they're 400 yards below me. Like they're, they're down there. But now they're looking up at me. I'm like, fuck me. Which way are you going? Because I want to go this way, and if you're going this way below me, you now know I'm here. That's not good for me if you bump into the rest of your brothers because you're going to say there's something up there. Let's get the hell out of here. Um, So against better judgment, and any experienced sheep hunter is probably going to say, get out of the society. They're going to want to strangle me. I watched this ram for a little bit and he's kind of lateraling me below. I said, fuck it. I grab a rock and I freaking toss it down and heaven forbid it fucking worked. The ram switches direction, goes the way I want it to go, goes, goes the other way. Um, I'm not, not necessarily going to say it was the right move, but it was a chance. I keep going. Uh, now I'm like, okay, well, there's a couple down there where are the rest of them. And lo and behold, I allowed myself to get sucked a little bit too far down the mountain. So now I'm mid hill going and I get cliffed out by an, uh, a shadow ice cropping. So now I've got to go up because I've either got to go right down to this other valley uh, or I've got to go up to get around it. And as I start getting up and around it, I hear a bunch of rocks just start crumbling. So I take a couple more steps forward. There's eight to 10 sheep within 200 yards, but they've spotted me before I've spotted them. They've heard me. Um, what? And there's two good shooters there. Uh, and one of them's a really good, a, a really good ram, and the other one is—I don't want to call him a dink, like he's solid eight-year-old ram, but uh, probably not the one I'm going to pick out of the crowd. But they've already seen me, so now they turn 
and thud, 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 they're gone. So I'm like, okay, well, they just went a little ways and I'm in relation to where I was yesterday. Um, we'll just go up, we'll go slow, we'll pick ourselves apart. I get a little ways and I've, now I've gone half an hour without seeing them. I'm like, I gotta pick up the pace. Like, where are they now? I don't know. And I come up to a bit of a, a precipice, a crest, where I can see down into the further valley uh, and they're bolting, but they're like three kilometers away now and they're bolting down through the bottom of the valley and up into the next mountain range, but onto a cliff. And so it's it, it's this beautiful grassy knoll bull both on both sides. So I'm like, okay, they're there. I see how they're cliffed up. They, they've almost cliffed themselves out like vertical. So I'm like, I'm going to start getting down there. I want to see what's going on here. So I go down and um, I start working myself in. And now all of a sudden I'm inside a kilometer of these rams. I get to where I'm inside 850 and I see where um, the grass outcropping ends and it turns almost vertical. Like you can safely get down it in three, 400 yards away and back up. So I'm at 690 here and that's as close as I'm getting to them. And they're in a cliffed out area where if I go down and try to start climbing up below them, they've got all the time in the world to scatter and, and get out of the way. Um, so, okay, well, that's over. And I start thinking, I, again, it's dangerous to talk yourself into doing things that you're not trained to do. And I don't always mean dangerous in, it's dangerous to your health. It's just mentally, and I did some, I, I talked myself into doing something irresponsible. There's all these little grassy knolls almost like islands, but they're these vertical islands and the, the best ram out of it, which I still believe today is the ram I harvested. And, and we'll get to that because I did, I was successful on this hunt, but not on the opening day. Um, he's a really good ram. He's really heavy. There I'm, I'm level eyesight with him. I'm within 15 to 20 meters plus minus, but there's, he's 692 yards away. Ballistic turret goes up to 650 yards on the scope I'm using. And this ram is on one of these grassy knolls where there's not another ram within 50 yards of him in a circle. So I'm like, he's there. I've got the gun that can do it. I'm not against long range hunting or long range shooting, but I don't train for it. Therefore, I also don't have the dynamic understanding of it. So mentally and in my conceptual thought, I am actually against taking a shot at an animal beyond 400 yards. But I've also never been... An, in a situation like this and I start talking myself into it. I've taken a few like just um, virtual lecture courses and whatever, and I made a mistake. Now, luckily this didn't turn into a bad mistake, but I am like, I'm in a spot here. Not, I mean, not, not, I, I can't accidentally shoot a, a sublegal ram. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about shot placement, but I get a good steady rest and everything. And I talked myself into it. And I'm like, I took the shot. Now, the the round went probably about eight to 10 inches below his foot. There was a few rocks there and I saw where it's good there. And I stayed with the rams. Like, of course, they scattered, got up, went. They didn't go too far. Um, but that, that was irresponsible of me. And I'll be the first to, to own up on that. I've never shot that far before. It's a gun that I've taken to the range and shot out to 300 yards, but I've never shot that gun beyond there. Uh, I've never, 
you know, it, it was irresponsible of me and, and I'll, I'll own up to that. Um, I watched the Rams for about three and a half hours because even though I know I struck low, there's no part of me that if I, if I injured that Ram, one of two things, either I was everything in my power, obviously to recover it at any, any cost. Um, that's one. Um, or, and this is a huge or because the area where it was, if the thing's injured where it can't move, like cliffed out, whatever the case might be, if I determine that I've harvested, that I've injured that ram, even if it's going to survive, if I've injured that ram, my sheep season is over. I'm not taking another shot at another sheep. I'm not putting in any effort to hunting any more sheep unless it's for someone else. If I've injured a ram morally and I think ethically and responsibly, possibly legally, my, my hunting is over for that species. So I watched it for a long time. Uh, I did not hit that ram. I, I hit the ground below it. Uh, I'm thankful for that. It would have been a great story had it been a successful harvest there. Um, but I probably wouldn't have learned anything or been as, quite as reflective as I am now. Um, so that, that was that for that day. I, so now I should probably get back to sleeping in the cave for a moment. It, we had a good summer. There's not a ton of water. I made uh, two liters of water last me for 32 hours. So I am sucking drops. Like I, throughout this entire opening day, I, I'm making, I'm starting to make bad judgment calls because I'm starting to be dehydrated. I've been limiting and rationing my water and fluid intakes. So now I've got about 850 vertical meters to climb back up to the saddle to go down about 1200 vertical meters back to where my tent is about halfway down. So once I get up and then go back down, it's about 500 meters to that Creek and there weren't any seeps along it, even though it was all grassy on some of these bowls, there were no seeps. Like I could not find any water. So I, I kind of drove myself to exhaustion there, but anyways, and, and I, I can't count that up to making a bad decision to pull the trigger on that Ram there on day one, but you know, I did what I did. I got to live with it. Luckily, you know, no, no major recourse came out of it other than a, a very, very steep, I can't say learning curve because I generally would have never done it, but it just an acknowledgement of, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, not with my training, not, not with my experience. Uh, so I tuck my tail between my legs. I, with a dry mouth, make it to the Creek. I probably suck back about three and a half liters of water. I take a 45 minute break or so at this, uh, at this Creek, get good water cup, some cliff chews, and then keep going back down to um, my tent. It's been 36 hours of really pushing myself now, limiting my limiting the amount of water I've had. Um, there's something about solo sheep hunting. Whatever decisions you do, you got to live in, but you got to live by them. But emotional peaks and valleys. So now I've made a I've made a fair number of mistakes in the last. 24 hours or so just things that you don't have to be an experienced sheep or mountain hunter to know but i just i psyched myself up i got it got to get my first sheep i'm on legal rams two days two and a half days before the opener this is amazing this is going to happen for me um i can take a, a lot away from this but i go back get some get some food get some drink in me 
and uh, and also start cussing myself because now I've taken the shot. As I started to walk away from where I'd taken the shot on those on that one round, they finally found their roots and they started climbing up. So now I've pushed them into a mountain range that's it, the terrain isn't really huntable uh, as well as I'm not going that far because I've got to go all the way back to my camp because I'm not spending multiple nights now without my tent and, and limited supplies. So I just start cussing myself. What the fuck have you done? Like you didn't need to take that shot. There was a chance they were going to come back. Um, when you're solo sheep hunting, it's emotional peaks and valleys. There's the highs are great. You know, you don't get to necessarily directly share the highs there. But the lows are low. There, there, there's no one to pick you up to level you out. You know, um, you can when you're hunting with someone. You know, I've made, we've all made mistakes hunting, and we've all had moments, or it's just tough going. So, you know, you talk with your buddy, have a granola bar, pick yourselves up. You know, there, there's definitely uh, power in numbers uh, with hunting. So, didn't have that. Start to doubt myself. What am I doing here? Um, not losing sight of the prize, but just maybe some motivation. But anyways, I, I go to bed. I wake up the next morning. So now we're done August 2nd. I've got a pretty good night's sleep. I've made the decision that if I'm staying on this hunt, that I push my body pretty hard in the first three to four days of hunting, I'm just going to take a rest day. Uh, technology is an amazing thing. I talk about emotional peaks and valleys. I get on the inReach. August 2nd is my daughter's birthday. So you get mule deer hunters, they talk about Valentine's Day. Um, you know, you want to be hunting the rut, be careful what you do. Um, you know, I made mistakes. I, I started making mistakes long before I was a sheep hunter. I My timing is just off. So my daughter's birthday is August 2nd, prime for, for sheep season. Um, so trials and tribulations of July 30th, 31st and August 1st. Self-doubt, I pushed these rams so far. Okay, well, I know there's rams up on this other mountain. I just watched a massive one the next, the day prior go up there, but it's a long fucking way. I'm missing my daughter's birthday. I'm on the inReach with my wife. You know, how bad does my daughter want me to come home for her birthday? I'm sorry, I'm missing it. I start looking for excuses. Now, I, I'm very fortunate to have a very supportive spouse uh, even if she probably never says it, but just degrades the fact that I spent a lot of time away from home, whether it's for selfish personal hunting um, or for work, I, I'm on the road a lot or away from home. But her response is, you know, no, you set out to do something. Um, we already knew you were going to be away for your daughter's birthday. Uh, you don't come home until you've done what you've set out to do or until you're out of food and time's up. Like, so, but she's like, by my calculation, you've still got what? Six, seven days to go. We don't want you home. Okay. Well, um, that's wonderful. Uh, and then I get on, I'm also, um, you know, I'm in reaching a couple people. I've got a, some, some friends that are experienced mountain hunters that have had a lot of success. Uh, you know, I got one telling me like, you, you, you can't give up. Just take, you know, take, take your time, have a rest day, get some sleep. And another friend is, an, is, uh, who I get a, a lot of information from. Um, he, I'm on the horn with him and he's like, who also used to be an outfitter in this area. Uh, so 
happens to know some sheep behavior and via inReach, I wasn't letting anyone know about the irresponsible shot I had taken the day prior, but just that I'd screwed up. I'd got too close to the sheep. I pushed them. I've come clean with everything. So everyone knows I took that, took that shot now, but um, he says, Oh, just give it a day or two. No one's been hunting them for, uh, for the last few months. They've just had free foraging and you took one sheep. It, you know, if someone's taken even a shot at them, you know, they haven't had the pressure in their recent memory. Uh, it's like a simple predator. So it's like a grizzly bear or a wolf was chasing them, cliffed out, the predator gave up. He's like, they'll be back in a day or two. So th this is first thing, first light This on uh, August 2nd. It starts getting really hot. The bugs are horrible. I'm committing to taking a rest day looking for excuses to, to tuck my tail between my legs and hike home. Um, and then I'm up, I don't know if I was getting up to take a leak and where my camp was, was 300 yards from a good Creek. So filling up water, I get back, I look up and on the way up that, that I would hike up this hill for the range where I was on, there's two, two white dots. Holy shit. Uh, they got to be lambs and ewes, right? Like I push the rams out. Nope, there's more. There, there, there's solid bone on their heads. They're dinks. And over the next 45 minutes, there were 11 rams, and I got a good count when they went over. 17 rams start popping up, and they scatter this hillside. So somewhere along the way, these 11 rams, from me pushing them off, picked up a few other rams. Uh, sorry, there were there were not 17 yet. There were 15. So I, okay, well, I'm going to have a rest day. I commit, and they're in an area where I just can't get up the range without, uh, without getting busted. They're all, they're all over the hillside. So they're not banded together. They're scattered. They're, they're having a great day in the sun. I am sweating my bag off in my tent. The flies are horrible outside of the tent, but my tent is a sauna. So I've got to pick the lesser of two evils, drink lots of fluid and sweat and try and nap in the tent. So I just got the eyepiece of the, of the spotting scope. And then I've got the zippers up to both sides. So there's no room for bugs and I'm glassing them. Now I'm almost psyching myself up again. I'm seeing all these rounds and I'm like, well, maybe if, if, if I was to leave in an hour and climb up on the left, or if I go up this razorback Ridge and, and I, I'm, I'm doing a bunch of different stuff. And sorry that I'm long winded when I talk guys, but uh, I, I finally knock some sense into it. It's like your first choice was to take a rest day, take a rest day. So I put these rams to bed. It, it gets later. They start going. And right near the end of the day, uh, I look into the bowl where below where those rams were skylining on July 29th um, when I first spotted them, sorry, July 30th. And uh, to, and I love the word, but with sheep until I've seen them, I don't use the word lightly. But I'm telling you, two monarchs come out of nowhere. I don't know where. They're big rams. They're they're bigger than the rat than those heavy rams I saw the first year in the snowstorm. They're beautiful. They're tipped out. They're wide. I I damn near bet my life that one was right near 40 and the other one was surpassing 40 very easily. Um and they get up and saunter in through this little saddle and fuck off, never to be seen again. I never saw them again. I know they're somewhere near there. And I don't know if they're these cave sheep that when it was just so hot that they they had these little caves, that, something that I couldn't see or get to. It was in 
it was in no man's land, like ver- vertical country. I, I wasn't scaling that unless I had um, cams and ropes and beaners. Um, There's no way I could get there anyways, but I don't know where they these two rams came from. In the past five days, I have not seen them. And I got to watch them for 20 minutes and my while I'm picking up my jaw and trying to roll my tongue back into my mouth like a cartoon because these things were just beautiful. And that was kind of like a reality check. This is why you're here. So I they, they fucked off. The other rams start going back into where um, into the canyons and the gullies where I busted where I first screwed up on August 31st when I climbed up and there were those six rams. One of them was legal um, when I got too close. So August that night, there were more issues. The weather starts rolling in and it was windy and, and heavy winds, but it downpoured all night long. So all of these creeks and creek crossings on August 3rd, um, first thing in the morning, like I, I, didn't sleep very well because the rain and the wind was waking me up every few minutes, but it just poured. Um, and it blew out every single Creek, uh, the main Creek and all these feeder creeks. So, um, if I wanted to hike home first thing in that morning, I couldn't, I couldn't cross the creeks. I actually, I, I was full on full rain gear, uh, ready to go. This is my day and seven 30. Nope. You're going to die. Eight 30. Nope. You're going to die. 9.30, nope, you're going to die. A few breaks in the fog and the clouds, a few little sun breaks. It stopped raining now for two to three hours. And I can I can just sense like the sound of the rushing water is starting to slow down. So I'm geared up, but I've got to backtrack about 700 yards to find a safe crossing. So the, the, the feeder creeks that were completely blown out, I'm able to get across one of them took me about 10 or 15 minutes to find a spot. Then I'm picking myself down to the main Creek and trying to find a safe spot. So, you know, I'm, I'm very white and light from the waist down trying to find, you know, I, okay, let's just say it. I'm walking around naked from the waist down for about 45 minutes trying to find a crossing because everywhere I go, I'm having to go left. I'm having to go right. It's not safe here. Let's duck down here. I can't go here. Let's climb back up. Let's go. I, I got dressed and undressed once or twice. And I'm like, no, it's just going to be uh Crocs and nothing from the waist down until I find a safe way across. That would um, be a sight to see. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know whether to laugh or cry, buddy. Oh yeah. We're crying at that thought. <laughs> I'll see you at sheep show, buddy. Um, so anyways, I finally, I started picking my way through, but I did, you know, different buck brush and uh, mossy grounds and all these different creeks and uh, muskeggy areas for probably about kilometer, kilometer and a half. I was just hiking around in my Crocs. Um, oh, I'm going to backtrack though. Uh, I, and I'm sorry, I'm a bad storyteller. So Near, near dusk before the storm started, but still the last two hours of daylight on August 2nd, I got company. So I'm starting to look down the valley and I see a Kuyu two-person tent about two and a half, three kilometers away. And I'm thinking to myself, fuck, they can see those rams that have just come back that I've spooked away. I like to be by myself when I'm hunting. So I just start conspiracy theories why the fuck are people here it's got to be the outfitter the outfitter is here i got nothing let's avoid it um 
it turns, I, I ended up running into that party at the end of my trip. Uh, they couldn't see the sheep and they were hunting the back hillside and they didn't see any legal rams and didn't know anything about legal rams. Wonderful. And up Valley. So the way that I would have to go to hike out, there's four horses. So now that has to be the outfitter. They know where the Rams are. I'm in tons of trouble. Turns out I bumped into them on my hike out as well. They didn't see any legal Rams. Uh, they thought it was just uh, using lambs in the area. And they were just people who they horse trailered in. They're just uh, local resident hunters, great people. Um, but so, so I'm also thinking this, like I'm putting more pressure on myself here when I'm, you know, stark naked and in Crocs and trying to find my way uh, on August 3rd, I, I got to get a sheep because now I'm thinking to myself, it's a foot race. I, I got to get here. They got to see that I'm lined up on a Ram first. Cause I'm always thinking that, you know, I, I got to get there first. Um, but I started hiking up that the, the foot racing that by the time I've geared up, I've gotten warm again and I'm starting to climb up the hill. Um, it's just, I got to find the Rams because I haven't seen them in this morning. Where did they go? But I'm, I'm not too worried now. I've kind of settled in now after the storm, after my experiences, uh, whatever will be, will be, uh, let's just have a good time and enjoy it. Cause I've seen some beautiful animals, beautiful country. Uh, I start climbing up. I get to roughly to where I had first seen those sheep on the 31st when I climbed up, I, um, I'm a few hundred meters below there and three rams come running by. So I glue myself to the hillside. I'm below them. They're about 400 yards above me. Two of them are, are full dinks. They can't be more than five. And then there's one that's maybe a squeaker. Um, I'm just ducking down. So I didn't get a good look at them, but probably not a ram I would have shot anyways. Um, but they never saw me. So these three rams just go. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go peek down, get up on the ridge, try not to skyline myself and uh, look down to see if the rams are there in that same area. So I first, I look up and get over and start looking down into this little ravine. Uh, it's actually bigger than little uh, and don't see anything. Then I see three dinks below me. And then I see three more dinks below that. And I'm like, okay, it's just where, where's, where's the big boy at? And I finally look across to what would have been if it was, the ocean or a lake, it would have been an island, but it's down the bottom of a ravine back up on this cliffy, clipped out area. And there's a specimen. I tell you, heart, hearts hit my eyes and uh, I glassed him and he's still well below me. Um, but this is my ram. It, it, it's going to happen for me. This is my ram. So I glassed him with binos for a little bit, get the spotting scope out and for anyone that doesn't know sheep hunting, that's endured my long-winded uh, conversation here, that's that's here for the climax. Um, judging sheep can be challenging, um, and everyone's going to have their difference of opinion. But if you're below a ram and you're looking at them, typically it makes the horn grow. It makes it seem tire up beyond the beyond the uh, the nose line or the eye line, whatever the regulations are for you are. When you get level, obviously that's where you want to be. But if you can see that the near horn is above the nose, and this is how it's been explained to me and how I've always judged it, if you're above it, typically that would make the angle look like it's a shorter sheep than it is. So I'm well above it, and the near horn, not the, I'm not the far horn, I'm looking at the near horn that's on my side, is well above um, the eye line. 
and it's from the eye line to, to the nostril in the Yukon. It's not the bridge of the nose. Um, so there's about a third to maybe half of an inch difference in wiggle room there. But um, that's just the difference in BC and Yukon regulations. This is not a factor with this ram. It is, it is a legal ram. It is a gorgeous ram. It, it goes beyond. I'm trying to count rings, but I'm starting to get a little too excited here now too. Um, but I know by size, just, just by length, it's a good legal ram. So get everything ready, range them, and 244 yards. Um, that Again, I've never actually, I took that long shot, shouldn't have done it. Um, 170 is the furthest I've actually ever had to, to pull the trigger for an animal. Um, but uh, I look at it. And I range them 244 yards. No problem. The, the man bun can do it. And uh, I, the biggest thing is he was at such an angle below me that I is probably 45, 50 degree uh, shooting angle, downward shooting angle. And I'm right on a bit of a race. I'm, I'm cliffed out. So I'm trying to find a good rest and, uh, and get a good thing. So I've, I've got a good score scope uh and gun uh cover at air armor tech so I, I get that thing i cradle it on a rock uh and it took me 10 or 15 minutes and as i'm looking at this thing these dink rams are starting to come into the opening now so now i'm kind of skyline myself and expose myself the ram i'm looking at my this good ram uh he's grazing he's 244 yards away just on a little thing. So he's not walking. He's just on a little platform grazing. He's got no idea I'm there. I'm not really worried about him seeing me, but it's these other dinks that are even further below. But as they're going, they're looking up, they're looking down. Um, I'm trying to duck and stay out of sight while I'm also trying to line up a shot, which for me is a difficult angle. And I got to a perch, probably took me 10 or 15 minutes to really get there, feel good, steady myself, cool my breathing. And, uh, and I send it. And, I only had to send the one I, uh, I racked and took another shot. Um, and I both, both shots and, uh, when it comes to shooting, I'm generally not going to toot my own horn, but both shots were perfect. Like I did not need to take the, se the second one. I took the first one when I walked up to the Ram, uh, both exit holes on the far side were no more than a quarter inch apart. There was almost no holding skin for both exit holes. Um, heart, lung, uh, frothy blood, um, I, I was patting myself on the back. So now I'm like, okay, now I got to collect myself. What have I done? I got to now drop way. It, it, the more I start now looking at the landscape, I've got to scan everything, uh, my terrain just to try and get to him. Like, uh, okay. So I, uh, I started hiking down. I ended up having to hike 600 meters below it and climb back up to it. So it took me an hour to get to the Ram. Um, I, uh, and I even took a note to myself once I got up to the Ram. And as I was going, I got kicked out on August 3rd, 2021 at 1355, 244 yard shot at 280 meters of elevation at a downward shooting angle. I arrived at my Ram at 1455. So one hour to the minute from pulling the trigger at 1955 meters of elevation. And he dropped within five yards of, uh, of where I hit him. Fuck. Yeah, baby. 
Um, so I did the math before this and it was a hundred, 125 meters or 136 yards downward elevation shooting angle. So really the shot, I haven't done the full calculation, the, 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 the ballistics on, on the range is probably more like somewhere around 210 meters, maybe even less than that. It's a pretty downward shooting angle, but, um, so I'm climbing up to the round before the calculations and everything. And I'm starting to think to myself, shit, the way I get down is not the way I'm getting up right now. Like I'm climbing up an area that is, you must have three points of contact on this cliff to get up to it. Um, I hope I can even actually do something with my ram and I don't have to push him off to, to deal with him. I get up there and he's died on this perfect grassy knoll. It's a little bit of an angle. You got to be careful that you don't take a, too many back steps and fall off the cliff to your death, but uh, it's a pretty nice little platform. So I, you know, I take myself photos, put the red tape on my black less than one shirt, kicked out, take the photos. Wonderful. Uh, load up my backpack and get ready to go. Well, my body was not ready for what I was about to do to it because with meat, horns and cape, I, I don't know how much it was, but it was, it was heavy and just getting my body adjusted for, for it. I was struggling. So I start working my way down and I got myself down a little ways. And then after five or 10 minutes of hiking and, and I'm butt dragging down these little steps here and there trying to get down safely, not to kill myself. I'm, I'm thinking of my daughter. I'm thinking of my wife. I'm thinking of my dogs. Um, you want to go home. Uh, don't die over this. Like I I'm, I'm literally taking some chances. I probably shouldn't have. And then I get to the point where I've cliffed myself out. I, I can't go around. There's no other way down with the weight on my back. I just can't do it safely. So I look down and there's this little platform, grassy platform, uh, 15 or 20 foot drop down a vertical sheer cliff, but it's a little grassy knoll. Uh, I can drop it. I can just drop it down there. It's not going to be any damage to anything. Um, and, and I'm good to, good to go. So uh, very slowly, I don't, I take the gun out. I'm always holding the gun. So it's not in my backpack, but everything else borrowed swirl spotting scope, uh, is in a side pocket, uh, everything else, all my gear for being on the mountain for whatever I'm doing. Uh, my tent and everything, my camp, base camp, still at the bottom of the valley. And uh, I drop it and perfect, right where I wanted to go. Why is my pack still moving? Well, it turned out that grassy knoll that looked level, looking down at it, was actually on quite an angle. So it wasn't a yard sale, but my pack uh, is now doing cartwheels down. Oops. And, it, <laughs> and it was two, 210 meters of elevation loss by the time I got to my... Um, backpack. So I watched it cartwheel and again, didn't yard sale, but I'm thinking to myself, fuck me. What am I going to do here? How am I going to get out of the bush? So I'm just hoping that my pack, I know it's going to maintain some sort of damage, but I'm just hoping that it is together enough that um, it's still functional that I can carry everything out. I can get out of the bush with my meat horns, my tent, all my gear. So as, as it's going down, it, uh, the, the head and horns pop out, but nothing else popped out. And as I'm starting to climb down with, with holding on to, to the rifle, I'm like, fuck, I got a borrowed spot, $3,400 spotting scope is down there. There's no way that thing fucking survived it. <laughs> well, there it goes, there goes all of my hunting for the rest of the year anyways. Cause I, if I borrow something, 
I return it in as good or better condition than when I borrowed it. And fuck me, what have I done? Um, <laughs> get I get to it, not a scratch on it. I don't know how. Like I, my glassing pad, my little butt pad, uh, I had wrapped around it as a side pocket. But I think just with all the meat and everything, and because it cartwheeled, it didn't do like this big explosion after a 600 foot drop. It cartwheeled the 600 uh, feet. I mean, obviously, I won. I won the lottery with there not being any damage, but. Um, yeah, there was no damage to it. My pack sustained at first, I thought just a little bit of damage. So one of the buckles, one prong snapped off the center and one of the side prongs was still there. So the buckle still clipped up and held, uh, tension and the backpack just with all the meat and the dense weight, uh, it ruptured some stitching, no big deal. Pack didn't feel right going the rest of the way down the hill. And it was a battle with all the weight getting down. But anyone who's carried out a heavy pack knows that or or carried a moose cord or a few kilometers knows that. So, you know, it was agonizing, but it's not worth spending too much time on discussing it. It, it is what it is. It's the horrible, awful weight, which is the best weight in the world when you're packing out heavy. It's painful. It's grueling. And you couldn't feel better and more lighthearted walking on air when when you've got that. It's been a successful hunt. It's been amazing. So I'm walking back to camp. It's, it's a struggle, but I get there. I get back to my tent around 11, 30, 12 o'clock. Um, I started ferrying stuff by the end. I was getting pretty light, uh, uh, pre- pretty tired. Um, the next uh, next day I wake up, I've got to finish um, just taking the cape off of the skull. So I, I cape it out, get some food in me, and then I start thinking about the weight that I have. And so now it's August 4th and shit, I've got a long way to go, but I don't have one trip. I've got two trips because my pack with what I endured yesterday and me having another 40 to 50 pounds of gear, maybe more at camp, it's too heavy. So, uh, uh, meat and, and I did debone the sheep for all the meat, if anyone's asking, but it was still 65 pounds of meat, uh, the head with horns and cape. So, I mean, that's probably 85 to 90, um, give or take, with a little bit of extra stuff like gun. Gun goes with you everywhere now. Now you got meat, you got blood, you got uh, clothing that smells smells like food. There's grizzly bears in the area. Uh, I didn't see any of this trip. So I get everything except for my tent put down. Uh, my camp is cached there. I've got meat, uh, meat, cape, and horns, gun, food, water, enough to last me if I have to spend the night as like, it, this is going to be two trips. So I, I now need to, uh, I now need to ferry and leapfrog my gear back to the truck. This isn't one trip of grueling agony. It's two trips of grueling agony and one trip of just light, you know, light, a seven, eight pound pack as you're going back. So sheep and horns up and I start getting a pretty good pace, even though, I am, uh, I'm heavy and it's been a few long days, with pretty good pace. So I'm just going to take everything to the summit. Well, no, I'm feeling pretty good. I, I'm a, I'm made good time. Let's go past the summit and start hiking down towards the truck. And I three, 300 meters or so of elevation down. So roughly a thousand feet of elevation down the summit that I, I find a spot in the bush. I cash, I do a little bit of ribbon where no one's going to see, but I know it's there. Meat, horns, cape out okay we're light let's go we got uh so it's about seven kilometers give or take like time to go we're light let's sprint back to camp 
everything is taken down and ready to be loaded in my pack, except for my tent. Tent takes five, 10 minutes, take it down, put it up, start going. Body's starting to break down now. So now I've got all my gear, um, everything else going on. I'm starting to get tired. I'm like, you need to have some food, some nutrition. So I try to eat a Snickers bar. I love Snickers bars. I love candy. It's making me want to puke. I've exerted myself now so much that I can't keep food down. So Mountain Ops, uh, thank you. And just electrolyte water. I've got mm-hmm. I've got a few la- I've got a few Land Jaegers <laughs> and I've got some chocolate bars. Like I'm not eating protein bars. So I'm trying to just what anything that my body will say, okay, I'll take it. And I'm exerting myself here so much that it just doesn't work. So, anyways, I keep going. And as I get to the summit, I'm starting to lose light. Headlamp out. Uh, fuck this. Why am I going to set up camp when it's this late at night? Let's just go right to the truck. So sheep, horns, meat, that's all That's all cached. Get everything back. I've done 32 kilometers this now in 12 and a half hours of packing up wow. with fairing, leapfrogging back yeah. and forth. But 32 kilometers because I'm running a track on my, uh, on my inReach, my GPS. I sleep in my truck. I've never had leg cramps before, but I was so dehydrated and everything and sleeping in a cramped cab of a truck. Uh, Cause I was, you know, trying to save time, not put up a tent and every that uh, as I'm rolling over and trying to get comfortable throughout the night, three different times, my, uh, my hamstrings and my calves uh, seized. I'd be rolling over, trying half asleep and they'd seize. And I, I've never had pain like that before. It was excruciating. Um, four to five minutes at every, whenever my legs would seize, it'd take four or five minutes to massage them and work them out. And that happened three different times. It was agonizing about nine o'clock the next day. Um, after I've got four and a half, five hours of sleep of not very good sleep, uh, gear myself up. And by this point, my feet are not in good shape either. Uh, after the day I had of the 32 kilometers and the, and the, uh, harvesting the sheep the day before my feet are starting to get chewed up pretty good too. So that's slowing me down. I bandage myself up, fix myself up, hike up, uh, to the sheep and horns again, probably a thousand meters, vertical meters or so four four kilometers up, four kilometers back down. As I'm hiking up, I run in halfway up. I run into the resident hunter that I was talking about that had horses. I'm like, so we, we chatted, we bullshitted. Um, they didn't have any success and they, they weren't seeing any rams. I think I, I mean, I would just, I hit the bullseye. They, um, yeah, they, they were coming down great. I'm like, ah, I wish I would have run into you guys about 45 minutes later. Cause then you guys could have helped me. I could have loaded some meat and horns in your horses. Cause your horses are empty. Did, didn't work out that way. Um, got my stuff, worked my way back down to, uh, my truck. Uh, that took about, two and a half to three hours for those eight kilometers. Um, luckily heavy pack, it was lightweight all the way down. Uh, and then I ran into the two other people at my truck as I'm unloading, I'm getting ready to go. And, uh, we start talking and it, it was this young couple. I'm, I'm going to say around 30 or so. Um, and, and they were doing their first sheep hunt. Uh, they'd seen a grizzly up one valley uh, and where they were, they're the ones that I saw that I thought were, they were glassing the rams with me at the same time uh, on uh, August 2nd. They they saw some sub-legal rams, I think they said, 
Um, and they did see some caribou, but they, um, they weren't on legal rams. I, I, I gave him a few tips and I told him I was on some legal rams. I didn't tell him exactly where, um, and they were interested in possibly, uh, going back into that area at another time, but they were unsuccessful. So, uh, I felt good about myself being successful for what I went through, but, uh, made it back to the truck, got to, um, got to the first community, uh, on the drive out, which is about an hour and a half hour and 45 minutes from where I was hunting. And I tell you a bacon cheeseburger and a Dr. Pepper never tasted so good. So I crushed two, <laughs> two bird. I crushed two burgers and a Dr. Pepper. I got him to go. I eaten him while I'm driving still stepped on the scale. So now it's been eight days. Uh, I've lost 14 and a half pounds in, in those eight days. And that's with me already having had a Dr. Pepper and two cheeseburgers. <laughs> that's insane. I, I, I feel that one. I, uh, I know when we landed back at the lake after our 13 days in, we were supposed to be in for 10 days. The first thing I did was go to the back of the truck and open up the bag of chips that I had strategically stashed in the back seat. And it was the best thing I'd ever tasted. Greg and I were just in heaven. It was amazing. So yeah, that, that sounds pretty freaking amazing. Like what did your Ram end up scoring? Did you get it uh, checked? I'm actually hoping to get it scored tomorrow. Oh, okay. So uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, November 20th, uh, I believe is the date. Um, the Yukon fishing game association, they have a big game night or okay. a bit, I think they call it big, big bull night. And I, I, it's my first Ram. I've done a few sheep hunts. Um, he's not over 40, but he's a good Ram. So I, uh, I've made the decision that, uh, I'm getting a shoulder mount done. So originally actually in, uh, mid August, so week and a half or two days, right. two weeks later, I dropped it off with a taxidermist, okay. but I went to, uh, I went to the taxidermist a couple weeks ago, picked up my, uh, my grizzly rug, which is spectacular yeah, and beautiful. Looks nice. I, uh, I, I was talking, uh, talking to her about it and, you know, it's good. She's got a full factory, full, full warehouse right now, and probably won't start working on my Ram for a little while. And my horns are there. Um, so I got them back and I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them scored if I can, if there's enough manpower there tomorrow night. Um, I don't know what he's going to score. My guess is probably in the 155, 158 range. Nice. Um, I, I did my own measurement okay. and, uh, on one horn was rated at 37. The other horn is uh 37 and a half with 13 inch bases. Well, that's an impressive Ram, no matter how you look at it, especially for a first, like, yeah. holy shit, man, that's awesome. Has some very defined uh, growth rings that I, I aged at nine. And I, a lot of the actually experienced hunters have aged my Ram at nine or even 10, but uh, the, uh, the CI ages it at seven plus this year. So seven and a half, um, you know, but for a seven and a half year old Ram, uh, it's a, it's a beautiful Ram. So I can't complain. Oh yeah. It, it's legal no matter how you look at it. Right. And that's, that's the important part, right? We're, we're, as you know, we've seen a unfortunate, there's over a dozen Rams that have been seized for various reasons, either being uh, too short or not eight years old, depending on how the people shot it. So you, you, uh, you made that full curl quite, quite handily. And like, that's a hell of a Ram to be proud of. And looking forward to yeah. looking forward to seeing you down in Reno and hearing some more behind the scenes talk on that. So we, we got some blue moon. To we do, we do. We, we, uh, 
yeah, we missed out on that last year, but hell, I'm looking forward to it this year, brother. I really am. So, well, I, I mean, I, I, we got to get the betting table going <laughs> where we start betting on, on, uh, on how much the premiers takes for certain states and certain animals will go. Oh God, that was insane two years ago. And you, you just know that people are on the edge of their seat, ready to, to go for it this year. I, I it's going to be nuts. Absolutely nuts. And the atmosphere is going to be through the roof. And yeah, I'm so stoked. I booked my flights last week, something like that. And it, it's weird this year though, because coming from where i am i imagine it's pretty much the same as you you got to jump to vancouver then the little jumps all around right uh my flights i booked them a couple weeks ago and it's funny because even with hotel costs my flight costs are cheaper for me to go down a couple days earlier so i'm going down on the monday um and i'm hitting the casino for a couple (laughs) days i got some i got some poker tournaments to to that i want to just try um Nothing too big, no high rollers, but uh, we'll go. We'll have some fun. We'll have some drinks. Um, but yeah, it's cheaper for me to fly down a couple days earlier. Uh, but I think I route through San Francisco. So I go Whitehorse, Vancouver, Vancouver, San Francisco, San Francisco, Reno. And then I believe it's um, Reno, Denver to Vancouver and then back up to Whitehorse on my travel back. Yeah. So it's not too bad. Yeah. Mine's weird too. I, I know I definitely stop in San Fran as well. I don't know if it's the way down or the way back, but yeah, that it's, it's, it's weird. Like last year or two years ago, it was PG to Vancouver, Vancouver to Portland, Portland to Reno, then back. It's you, you, you figure Reno's a bit, bit of a center. So they'd have a direct flight from Vancouver, but oh well, we get there and we crush some blue moons and eat some pretzels and, watch people like uh, you and I get kicked out of the lesson one club by winning tickets, right? You're going to be the international this year though. Well, I do the international every year, right? I'll be one ticket off. <laughs> nah, you earned it this year, man. It'll be you and I walking up there with blue moons going, yeah. And they're going to be like, we didn't even call your goddamn names. Get off the stage, but <laughs> it'll be, it'll be fun anyway. In, in the name of conservation. Absolutely. <laughs> conservation and pretzels and blue moons. Should be a fun year. It's been a long time uh, missing last year, right? So it's going to be uh, pretty exciting getting one together. And I think it's going to be a pretty big year for sure. It definitely is, man. Definitely is. Oh, well, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, it should uh, be good. So we talk about the Lesson One Club. Maybe people don't know exactly what that is. And do a bit of a plug here, first of all, because I'm membership chair. Now, for second of all, before I, actually before I go there, Congrats, Joe, on your RAM. Uh, fascinating story. And if, if people wonder where I went, there's two things that happened. I needed a, a bathroom break, and the flow was going so good with you, not the bathroom break, but with you, Joe, that I didn't want to interrupt. And then, plus, I'm actually triggering some ribs tonight, and they, and they were in desperate need of a little TLC. So I had to go out and attend to that. So um, that's where I disappeared to briefly. So uh, great story on your RAM, man, and just totally stoked for you. And huge achievement to do it um as well with uh, solo in the backcountry and phenomenal uh phenomenal hunt but less than one club so for those that don't know um it's a program that the wild sheep foundation puts on you can check them out at wildsheepfoundation.org and go to less than one club you should join this club uh $25 to buy a membership you get a t-shirt if you haven't uh killed a ram before and then if you go to the show and you go you pay 25 bucks to get in it's uh, unlimited beer it's a great time just a great vibe and they give away a bunch of hunts yeah and i'm just going to share with 
you what that is. They give away three sheep hunts. Um, and you, if you haven't killed a ram, you're eligible to join it. Uh, you can still go to the event, drink all the beer, have a good time, but you can't win the hunt. Um, and you'll be entered into a drawing for Dull Sheep Hunt with Alaska Hunting Expe- Expeditions, Ultima Thule Outfitters, and a third hunt from Alaska Outfitters Unlimited. So they're giving away three hunts. Um, you also win a SAM Precision Level 1 rifle training program with FTW Outfitters in Texas. Pedestal mount from one of the following taxidermists. Um, I'm not going to list them here right now. And then on top of it, you get a... Um, so that you look good on the mountain and you perform, you get head to toe Sitka gear. Uh, you get Kenetric boots, Leopold optics, a mystery ranch backpack, Onyx map, um, mobile device and uh, mobile device maps subscription. Um, it's just, and then travel credit for $500, just unbelievable. So uh, if anyone's going to sheep show and you haven't killed a Ram, sign up for less than one. If you killed a Ram, still go to the event. Cause it's so much fun. We're going to be there. Um, just to see Steve and Joe alone, it's worth it. Um, <laughs> but just just a great time and a great event by the Wild Sheep Foundation. And uh, basically, cost you nothing to join. And uh, just a fantastic time and a great event. So, Oh, yeah. My- quick, quick question for you there, Kyle. Have they yeah. changed the format? Because in the past, and I would encourage everyone to go to Sheep Show because Reno is a hoot. Uh, a, the last few years, the first draw... So the first uh, sheep draw out of the three hunts they give away, you do not need to be present to win. But for hunts two and three, you must be present to win. Is that still the format or is it a thou shall be present to win? Mm, uh, good question. I thought you had to be there to you, win. Uh, we had to be there to win, Joe, because remember you and I had crushed a few. Yeah, yeah. Not, we had, you, not, for, not for the first hunt. For the second and the third hunt, yes. But not the, the, first, the first less than one ticket they draw did not need to be in attendance to win oh, all okay. the additional hunts after okay. that. But, but it, it's a remarkable marketing strategy. So you pay to be part of a club that you want to get kicked out of. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. Brilliant, right? So, Joe, you're right. Um, I'm just looking at the rules here now. First drawn will receive choice of hunt and pedestal mount and need not be present to win. Second draw receives second choice of hunt and pedestal mount and must be present to win. Third draw receives the remaining hunt and pedestal mount and must also be present to win. So the official rules say need not be present to win for the first one. So okay. you um, so anyway, short answer is you don't need to be a cheap show for that one chance. So you can now give one in three, uh, hunt chance to win. Uh, but if you want, uh, win to all chance to win all three, you gotta be there. So if you're listening and you're not going to be a cheap show, it's still worth joining, um, sign up. Uh, but if you go to sheep show, you got three chances of winning three hunts or you get a chance to win three hunts. Yeah. Instead of just I remember hunt. when we were there, we were, we'd crushed about eight or nine blue moons each. And Joe and I were like, God damn it, we gotta piss. And we literally ran after they'd they'd called the the first name and we're like, all right, it's not us. And we was <laughs> holy here it goes, here it goes. Oh, two two guys running like that, half cut. It was uh elbows it up, was, mixed yeah, base. It was good. It was good. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. So go to wildsheepfoundation.org, go to less than one club, get signed up, even if you're not gonna be at sheep show. Uh, but sign up to Sheep Show. Sheep Show's uh, registration is open now, and you, uh, if you if you sign up, uh, I think it's by December first. Um, you 
can you get entered to win a desert sheep hunt with Sierra El Alamo in Mexico. Um, just you'll never get a cheaper chance to win a, a, a sheep hunt if you sign up through that. Um, well, I guess there's maybe other cheaper chances, but it's a pretty good opportunity and you're signing sign up anyway for sheep show. So, and you still can sign up for the virtual aspect as well. If you want to be part of the event, you can't make the arena. There's a virtual aspect as well. So tons of opportunity and, um, and then come to the show less than one club. Uh, Joe and Steve will buy you a beer at, uh, uh, at the show and uh, it'll be a great time. Absolutely. I've still got your credit card, Kyle. <laughs> if, if you want a beer, you better be a member. You better have your challenge coin. WSF just dropped their challenge coins as well. Get your well cheap one first, then get your WSF coins. I'm getting mine down there. That's why I'm going down on Monday. I want to make sure that I get them so I can't be called out. <laughs> Are you, yeah. do you, you ordered yours, right, Joe? Yeah, uh, mine left LAX last night in track shipping. Excellent. You got your uh, uh, life member breakfast uh, already booked? I got it all. Buddy. Attaboy. I got it all. Attaboy. What are we going to hey, – what hunt is it this year at the lesson one? Or down to the lesson one, the uh, life member? It. I, I believe it's still um, – help me out, Kyle. Uh, I got a puffy going. Hi, Diesel. <laughs> Uh, it's a Lapamosa sheep hunt. Is it? Um, yes. So All right. it's, uh, yeah, that it is the most coveted sheep hunt, uh, arguably in Mexico. Um, Emilio puts on a fascinating hunt. You're going to kill a, a massive, massive ram and, uh, it's just phenomenal. Ooh. Darren Epp, uh, won that hunt a number of years ago and was 191 or something. 191 yeah. I, yeah. I believe I don't know if it still stands, but at the time when he harvested the ram, it was the second largest ram they had yeah. killed. Well, what's going to yeah. happen? Yeah. What's going to happen? We're going to win at the the life member breakfast, a, a big horn hunt down there, desert, and then at the less than one, you're going to pick a there. Like we're going to win a couple sheep hunts. So you know what? I'll I'll take an ibex hunt for the less than one. Yeah, yeah. Let's just think about that for a sec. What did we just talk about? We talked about. Three sheep hunts at the Lesson One Club. We talked about one for signing up. We talked about mm-hmm. one at the Life Member Breakfast. Start doing the math. Um, if you're not seeing yeah. the common theme here, you might want to think about joining the Wild Sheep Foundation. There's a few opportunities there. So uh, pretty cool experiences. There's a lot of giveaways. There's a lot of really cool hunts. No, don't and, do not uh, do it. It makes Joe and I's uh, chances that much better. <laughs> I know. It's terrible. That's the dichotomy, isn't it? It so. is. I, it's such a conflicting concept because you want to win yep. and not all of us necessarily have the deep pockets but in the name of conservation like you look at some of the projects wsf is doing you look at some That's of the right. projects wild Sheep society of bc is doing get your membership buy those raffle tickets because that is helping us protect the future you know we've got disease and sickness uh whatever the case might be these funds go on the grounds and we can't do it without members right. so uh you know it it it's conflicting with me because I want it all, <laughs> but, uh, but it's, it's also just fun to drink uh, and have a party with like-minded individuals. Sure. And, and that's where the real enjoyment comes from. You know, it's interesting. And, and now we're really in my wheelhouse. Uh, when we start talking about the project stuff, that gets me excited. And, and don't get me wrong. I love hearing about the hunts and talking hunt stuff, but um, wild sheep foundation has put more money um, on the ground in BC than any other jurisdiction in North America or in the world. Uh, they spent more money here. So for the BC BCers listening to this, um, just 
just listen to that. There's more money spent here than anywhere else in the network that the Wild Sheep Foundation um, has uh, is part of. Uh, so it's pretty phenomenal. Um, the approved grant and aid uh, just came up. And then again, there was a, um, a huge investment in British Columbia. Um, all these projects that uh, that are really, really important in British Columbia. And it goes, you know, uh, predator management, uh, habitat work, uh, disease work, the foundation's part of that. So great organization to be part of. Uh, all three of us are life members and heavily invested and really believe in what they're doing. So, um, yeah, this is a Wild Sheep Society BC talk is sheep, but uh, don't underestimate the work that the Wild Sheep Foundation's doing. Great organization. It's something that you need to be part of. And if you're not a member, you should join. Shameless plug. And all I'll, all I'll say is uh, thanks for humoring me, guys. I know I rambled on there for a while, but uh, great time having a chat with you. And uh, I hope the next time we're together, these glasses can touch. Agreed. I'm pretty sure they will, buddy. Um, for sure. No, for sure. Awesome story. Love hearing it. I can't think of a more deserving guy and uh, just a phenomenal story. Beautiful Ram. We're going to put uh, a picture of that on the uh, on the cover of, uh, of this podcast and uh, appreciate you taking the time. And Joe, as always, uh, not only are we grateful for your stories, but, you know, the conservation work you do in our community is unparalleled. Uh, Director, treasurer with the Wild Sheep Society BC, you're also um, involved with uh, – Wild Sheep Foundation, Yukon, is it, uh, are you tre your treasurer there as well? Are you not? No, just, just a director. Just a board member. Yeah. Just a lowly director. Yeah, no, for sure, buddy. So a uh, life member with the Wild Sheep Foundation and just uh, the list goes on and on and on. So we, we cannot thank you enough. And I, I can tell you, I'm, I'm grateful for uh, not only all the work you do for, for conservation and just also for your friendship. It's just, uh, just love having you in my life, buddy. It's awesome. I'm, a, I'm an asshole and that's why you love me. I guess so. I guess that's use the wind between your cheeks. <laughs> and that's a good time and a good spot to end this. Absolutely.